Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Guess who did do a good job, Kevin? I just wrote that down. <laughs> Way to be on the same wavelength. <laughs> Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Barnett, DJ Ruscha, here on the 9th of June, 2014, year six of TNL. Hard to believe. Six? Six. Man, and Katie already wants to be in the intros and on the Facebook page and the website and all that stuff. Those that get this via podcast know we changed the picture finally. We, I mean me, change the picture finally, and Jeremy is on. Finally. It's just Jeremy and I. Yeah. That's the only people left at the show, by and the way. And then there was two. Man. I am the healthiest member of the NetLife crew. I know that. Yes. You've got a bad foot. I'm not as damaged as I thought I was after going to see the doctor last week. Um, Pleasantly surprised. I still have, I have slight damage. Okay, you, you were slightly damaged. Chris yep. Geeter McGee, alumni of the program, he has torn plantar fascia. How did I'm he sure do that? that? Did we find great. that out? I, I have not I found out. Text him. I Maybe he will out. call the show one day, listen, care at all. Whatever, bro. Maybe not. We'll have to find out. <laughs> text him and find out. But I think, okay. he was, I think he was siding out. He's injured. Reed Pretty, of course, torn ACL, covered on the show last week. Yep. Dan Madden, he might be healthy. Blew his Achilles a few years ago, but yeah. I think he's healthy now. Katie's had like 12 surgeries, so who knows? Yeah, Katie's out. Uh, I'm actually in pretty good shape right now. You just can't jump, but other than that, you're great. If I don't jump, I stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's it. If I go and play volleyball, I'm not so healthy. Good for you, Kevin. promised the wife I wouldn't jump and play anymore, so I don't. I I would go play libero. And I told her, not like before, where I would say I would play libero. And then go. (laughs) I would show up and play four sets at outside hitter. Yeah. No, no, this is, I actually have to stick to libero. Uh, But I... I'm never, never known for my passing internationally, but my passing skills will probably measure up anywhere else. Uh, speaking of your wife, I got to see her this weekend. We chatted, and she said she's listened to some of the podcasts lately. And it's very disappointing that we haven't uh, rambled for 15 minutes about the weather. <laughs> yeah, she she's loves like, way, when we talk about the weather. Way too much volleyball talk. <laughs> Where's the weather talk? Well, there's, there's a split group here in our listening audience because I hear from both sides. I hear from folks that want purely volleyball. Volleyball 24-7. Like nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Not weather, yep. unless you're talking about it raining volleyballs. Yep. Not, nothing else. Then there are those who get kind of upset and disappointed when all we talk about is volleyball. Because yep. we had a show a few weeks ago which literally was wall-to-wall volleyball. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff going on. So what else were we going to talk about? Right. Yeah. And that people missed some of us, some of the other things we talk about. Yeah. Movie recommendations, music, <laughs> uh, who Black might, football. Yeah, who might hook up with who? Motocross. <laughs> I mean, that kind of thing. Drinking. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so anyway, we'll try and deliver you a balance on this program today, and I think we, we will do it. I have some texts out where I'm looking. I'm looking for John's bra, but we will see if that comes to fruition. And I do have some audio from John's bra that oh, we will nice. play. So we have John's bra night number one. Yeah. 
had I, I had a little walk and talk with him. We almost ended up outside the building, locked out, unable to get in. That's kind of a funny moment. So you'll get the unedited version <laughs> of a... Hold on, hold on. Sprawl was locked out of the gym? No, we almost ended up locked out. Oh, okay. How's <laughs> like, that happen? Oh, and just in case people are wondering, it's 61 degrees and foggy. There. Yes. So is. you're welcome. Like, your, there's, your, there's your weather update. There were some sprinkles on my car when I drove over. Uh, PV, it's drizzly on the yeah. way back and forth from school. Uh, Craig Thompson of MindSpring Sports, the CEO over there, that is the group promoting the USA Cup. These are upcoming matches. The United States women will be playing against Brazil in the beginning of July. They will be playing here in Southern California. It's another opportunity for the Southern California audience to turn out. Then they'll be going to the Stan Sheriff Center to matches in Hawaii. I'm hoping to go to those matches. I'll say, can I go to that one? I'm working on it. Okay. We'll see if it works out. For the men. When is that? That is July... 10th, 12th, 13th, something like that. I've got it. I've got it here. I'm in. Let's do this. Okay. I, I want to do it as well. Maybe Reach go too since he's not doing anything else. Yeah. Okay. For the men, they will play USA Cup against Iran. And those who just went, oh, Iran? Yeah. Wake up. Iran's pretty good. Yeah, I remember us talking about them a little bit the last couple of years, and you uh, have been impressed with them. Uh, yeah, and other teams are, are finding out that they're awfully good here in World League. We'll cover that in just a little bit. But U.S. versus Iran, and that will happen all over Southern California. I will miss all of those matches, actually. Just to the schedule. And it's the 10 days that I will be spending in Hawaii. So, well, good for you. Yeah, good for me. Yep. But everyone else, you need to show up and see those matches. Craig Thompson will come in and tell us about the efforts that MindSpring Sport is making on behalf of USA Volleyball and promoting matches. We'll have a review of the volleyball volbecue. Oh, so good. Matt Gardhoff and 500 of his closest friends all had a fun time Saturday afternoon. You can also uh, read my recap on the volbecue that will be going up on uh, volleyballmag.com soon. Excellent. Sent to them this morning. World League Week 2, we'll have a review. World League Week 3, a preview, because the United States is three straight weeks in the United States. Of course, we'll be traveling to Chicago the next two weeks. A couple different venues, though. Chicago, a.k.a. Poland? Uh, A.k.a. Bulgaria. Bulgaria, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it is also Poland. Yeah. Uh, but yes. So also, the women's team finished the Montreux Masters. And since we celebrate silver medals on here, we can continue to celebrate yeah. the United States women's team. But mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about some of the, the players that they took to that roster. Okay. So we'll check that out. That and uh, usual mayhem here that we have. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. I have a thing here. NBA Finals. Oh, boy. First night. The quote-unquote, what they're referring to now is the cramp game, Kevin? The cramp game, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm not on the side of faulting LeBron James for that, because random stuff happens all the time. Yeah. But I don't know why he's wearing the magic pajamas. I know he's not Mormon, so take off the tights. Cool yourself down a little, bud. You're wearing a lot of clothes. They said he changed for game... I didn't see it yesterday, but they said he changed his uh, tights for game two. No, I I would... That that was big news. I think that would help. What kind of tights is LeBron James wearing? But my my bigger problem with with the whole thing... And it was funny because they had Doris Burke down on the sideline. She was there with the temp gun. You could see her in the background with the temp gun. It's like, it's 90 degrees down here now. Uh, It's 90. 90." I'm like, Really? Really? We can't handle 90 degrees? We're basketball players. We're conditioned pro athletes. We can't handle 90 degrees. Has anyone played in Poland in the summer? 
played in France in the summer. How about you go to France, you stay at a golf course, and stay in rooms. It is 102 degrees, no exaggeration, 102 degrees during the day in France. We don't have air conditioning. There is no air conditioning. And I don't mean in the arena, although there is no air conditioning in the arena. I'm talking about my room. There's no air conditioning in my room, and it's 102. Ugh. And somehow, we're still able to perform at our highest level. Somehow. Instead of making a big deal out of it. Instead of the announcers talking like someone had bombed a crater into the middle of the floor and the players had to navigate around it. It's just a little bit warm. Every one of these guys grew up playing. Well, for sure. And then you heard all the Spurs players, because they're all international, refer to, like, this was no big deal for us because this happens all the time. But, Manu. Yeah, yeah, correct. But you have to go into arena with some expectation that temperatures could be normal. You know what I'm saying? And, yes, LeBron James has had history of cramping. Have you ever cramped in a match, Kim? No, not even once. Do you know if any of your teammates ever cramped? Trying to think if anyone had cramping issues. I know Sean Rooney got real tight on Friday night. He had some issues, but I think that was his back. Yeah. But like mus- muscular cramping, I cannot recall ever that happening in a match with anyone professional or national team times. I see it on the beach. Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but I see it on the beach. Obviously, they're in different climates, different heat, different humidity, and they're traveling on planes a lot, so they're not in the same... When you live in Southern California, how do you train for that kind of heat? You have to get to that city earlier, a couple of days, maybe to get accustomed to it. But how do you? You can't train for that. You can do all the things you need to prior to a you know to a tournament and like hydrate correctly, all that stuff. Because cramping is usually prevented the day before because of what you in what you drink, what you eat, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and some guys are prone to it physiologically. Correct. It's just the way it goes. Yeah. But and LeBron James has had issues before. When you're talking about LeBron James, the guy is six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds. Yep. He's a mountain of a man. He is in phenomenal shape. So I don't I'm not really on board with those that were getting on him about his physical fitness for the situation. I am on board with take the tights off, cool yourself off a little bit when you know it gets hot. Yeah. That might have helped. It may not have helped. And sometimes these things happen. Sometimes the body goes awry and it happens. You don't know everything about the body no matter how much you try and control it. Yep. So I'm not really I'm not upset with LeBron. What what I what I didn't like was the way the announce crew treated it. And and to be honest, I don't know that I would have treated it any differently as an announcer. Gotcha. Because it is unusual for the NBA. So I'm not really faulting the broadcasters or the teams, or anybody else, for presenting it that way. Because they're used to, hey, it's 70 degrees, we're in a climate-controlled environment, and we're on first-class planes, and we stay at the JW Marriott or wherever. That's that's their comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. And I understand they're outside their comfort zone. The the part where I would fault people is if you are asked to do something outside your comfort zone, and you can't handle it. Obviously, the Spurs could handle it. Yeah. And I don't recall hearing anything from the Heat really complaining tremendously about it. Well, both teams had to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I found it odd that there but were other... But it's not a big deal for sports. Correct. I found it odd that other athletes from other sports were chiming in on Twitter saying, 
some of them are like, I would be out there, or you need to suck it up and get back out there. Because they deal with a lot more adversity than the NBA guys do. True, but they if, are a bunch of pampered. For sure, but, but if your leg is cramping and you cannot walk, right? That you, was you weird. can't get back out there. I don't care. Are you telling me LeBron didn't want to be out there? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. he, you know, was he <laughs> right. sitting on the bench like, oh, I'm going to use this as an excuse not to get on the court. I'm going to have them come and carry me off. Yeah, I mean, come a- on. as a show. Come no, on. no, no. That's ridiculous. Obviously, the man could not walk. I've woken up in the middle of the night from foot cramps and calf cramps, and oh. it has launched me out of the bed oh. pretty much. The calf cramps are so bad. I can't imagine like a full leg. Oh. I've seen players on the beach with full body cramps. Like I can't even, I can't even fathom what that pain would feel like. And they I, I like, don't know oh, what, I don't know what a play. body cramp would be. You I just don't. lock up. I've seen it. You just full. You cannot. They're like laying on the ground, full body lock up. I would fault a beach volleyball player for cramping up a lot more than I'd fault LeBron James. Why? Because LeBron James never sees that environment nowadays. He may have when he was 18, but he hasn't seen that environment since he joined the NBA, basically. Maybe in the summer, but he can control You're when he stops. saying the beach volleyball players should know better, Kevin? <laughs> I'm saying the beach volleyball players practice in that every single day. No. That's their environment. That's their hot sand environment. Negative. You, Are you telling me that? Because it's warmer in Cincy than it is out here? 100%. That what it is? Oh, okay. yeah. Think about the humidity in Florida this past weekend. That's a good point. That's a good point. We were in... All right, so maybe I won't fall. We were in Alabama one year, Kevin, and I was sitting in the shade, not moving. Drips of sweat running down me. I wasn't moving in the shade. Granted, there was no breeze for me. Right. Dripping sweat. Yes. That wasn't players were playing on courts in a parking lot where I'm sure the heat was ten times hotter than it was where I was sitting in the shade again. Oh, it's tough. Not moving. Yeah. So when people cramp out there, I understand. Or pass out from heat exhaustion. I wasn't moving, Kevin, and I was dripping buckets of sweat. It's a good point. And I'm not a sweater. It's a good point. My yeah. dad lived in northern Georgia and then Atlanta for years and years, and that's a different kind of hot. Atlanta hot is different. different than, for sure. Than Absolutely. California hot. That's yeah, a good yeah, point. Yeah. It's a good point. It's like training in altitude. But okay, when it's 102 out here, yeah. which happens, or it's actually at the beach, if it crosses 90. Which happened a few weeks ago. But on the beach, but it's, it's rare. really hot. Correct. Well, the sand is scorching. Should they be out there training? Because I'll bet they're not, would be my guess. Because I, as an athlete, probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> but should they be out there on a day like that? Should they make a point to go and play in that, to have experienced that? Because you know in Cincy or Milwaukee or Florida, it has the potential to be that hot. Yeah, I get well, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you, like a couple, it was a couple of weeks ago when it was that hot here at the beach. So they go out there and train in that for Cincinnati that's in two months. You know, does that will that correlate somehow? To know how your body responds, probably. Okay. If you're maintaining a consistent level of fitness, which yeah. is probably true for most of the guys during and women during yeah. season, you have to know how your body responds differently, how much more fatigued you are after playing a practice like that. To yeah, know, do how, I need yeah. more fluids? Do I need yeah. more recovery? Would, like would, uh, would more stretching help? What electrolytes, what do I need to put in my body to make sure I come back the next day when I didn't feel good after a practice out here in 102 degree heat? What would it feel like? Well, I do know, I mean, when it was that hot, it was during the week. I know a lot of the beach players don't train on the weekends because that's when all the tourists are out there, so they're not out there. Um, But they were out there during that week when it was that hot. Okay. They're out there when it's super windy and rainy and cold in the morning. 
Yeah. Well, that, in case that, you play like that actually I would not do. Yeah, in case it snows on you like it did. Peter <laughs> and I were wrapped together in a blanket from the hotel. Still a lovely picture. <laughs> yeah, I, I just – these basketball guys, they're in fantastic shape. You know they've grown up. They play in the summers in gyms that aren't air-conditioned in some cases, even the NBA guys. They grew up playing New York guys in Rucker Park and stuff where it's hotter than blazes during the summer. Yeah. It's not unusual for these guys to have to play. It's just unusual for the NBA. Correct. Once you, once you make the NBA, you get to be inside the bubble. Well, and I can't think of another quote-unquote superstar that has been taken out of the game and not able to come back because of something like that. You know, like, oh, they're having a calf cramp. They get it rubbed out on the sidelines, and they're back on the court. You know? Yeah. Well, he did. He he went out once, right? Yeah. And, and then, then he came back. And then his whole leg. Then he came to be carried off. If you can't bend, I'm telling People who haven't experienced that kind of cramping before have right. no idea what it's like. Right. I've I've never had that happen to me, so yeah. I'm not sure. No, you're better than LeBron. But I'm not I'm not faulting LeBron for that. Unusual set of circumstances. How about how about the Stanley Cup? Because there's two big sporting events going on besides the World League. The Stanley Cup is happening. I dominated. I did, oh, you said that, not me. No, you said it. You just I just said, said I never cramped. I dominated. Yes, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I never cramped. Yeah. You said I was better than LeBron, so yeah, yeah. I go. Where's with you. pretty? You promised me he'd be on the show today. <laughs> Steph, as I saw him, he was sitting next to Karch for a while. Karchy, and then he had an knee brace on. He's with the family, and now he's got having his, surgery at some. Got point. in his private helicopter and flew away. That's right. <laughs> the RP8 helicopter. Yep. The Stanley Cup's happening, and the Kings are the comeback kids. Let's just start all games in overtime. There was a roar. We were doing the Open Saturday night for World League at Long Beach. Paul Sunderland and myself. At the Pyramid. We are doing the Open, which gets pre-taped. Yep. As we finish the Open, (laughs) our director comes on. Billy clicks the button to say, you know, that's it. We got it. As he does that, you hear, ah, yeah, (laughs) things being pounded. Yeah. He goes, Kings just scored to tie it. So... It's right there. I mean, Paul was listening throughout. We were sitting in the VIP having some dinner. He's got one ear in. Listening to the Kings Reporting game. on it. Because they were down, what, 2-0. It was like 4-4, right? 2-0, 3-1, I think. And then it tied at 4-4. And then they won 5-4, right? I, mean, it I was, think it was, was 4-4 it overtime? going into overtime. And overtime, they scored, right. yeah. And they scored in one. Yeah. So uh, what I'm wondering, these comeback kids, these cardiac kings, what is the volleyball equivalent? Do Have we had... A volleyball equivalent you can think of. Is there a beach team that you always felt like they were out of it and they'd come back? Somebody posted Greece-United States 2004 quarterfinals this week, actually. On Jay Hasek. Uh, Jay Hasek posted, posted it. It's the first time I saw a young Barnett play. First time I've seen footage. You've never seen it. I haven't seen footage you played before. Oh, man. You know, it was 10 years ago. By the way, you look time. exactly the same. <laughs> Nobody. Good. Reed does not. Reed had some hair still. Yeah. Clay had a lot of hair. Yeah. Loy had hair. Yeah, Donald still had some hair. Wow, that's none of those guys, guys with no hair. None of those guys do now. Four guys with no hair. Yeah, now. you look exactly the same. I'm trying. Still can't grow a beard. True. Yeah. Accurate. Yep. Can't cut out anymore. Every single person in that match looked. The intensity on all of your guys' faces looked like you were going to murder somebody. It was a gnarly match. We, what was it in the third? It was in the. They picked it up in the fourth. That's what. Sorry. Because we were down 2-1. We'd won the first set. Yep. And mind you, we had beaten Greece several times leading to the Olympics. Yep. We had worked out with them and played them several times. 
and we're down at the lowest point. And by the way, this is in Greece. In Greece, yeah. Peace and Friendship Stadium, 15,000 people. Peace and Friendship. Greeks, very excited. As they say during the broadcast, you can look it up there on the show. I, this is the first time I've ever seen it on YouTube. Yeah. I have DVDs and tapes around here somewhere. It's on our Facebook page. Jay Hasek posted it the other day. You guys can go check it out. It's the original NBC primetime coverage that got put together after the match, obviously, and got shown 26 minutes. They actually added 13 minutes to, to our broadcast, as I recall, because of what happened. We are trailing 20-12 to 12 in the fourth set. In Greece, in front of the home fans, we're going to be eliminated. This is the quarterfinal. You've got to play this. After your pool, you cross over. You play the quarterfinal to get to the medal round because you get two shots at a medal no matter what. You get to play the semi, and then you get to play the bronze or the gold. And we are down 20-12. to 12. The Greeks are hugging. They are practically making out with one another. <laughs> and... They are very excited that they're going on in front of the home fans. But they didn't know that it's called a Greek tragedy because of things like this. Yeah. It's, it's not called a Roman tragedy. It's not called a Belgian tragedy. It's not called a Slovakian tragedy. It's a Greek tragedy. And this fits right with that. Because they're up 20 to 12 and through a combination of United States blocking... Mm-hmm. Greek hitting errors, mm-hmm. United States digs and kills, it turns into a 25-23 victory for the United States. 20-12, to 13-3 run. Three. That's gnarly. Then, because a Greek tragedy not only has to be tragic and involve Greeks... Two requirements for a Greek tragedy, by right, the way. Right, so you can't discuss it on Coffee Talk... Because it is Greek and it is a tragedy. Discuss amongst yourselves. That was actually really good. So you also have to have the potential for it to work out. Yep. For everything to go fine. To be, have it be a happy ending. Because it's 2-2 going into the fifth. In that fifth set, they are once again leading. Yeah. It they make, are. It was making me nervous and I knew what happened. They are up yeah. and serving for the match. Yeah. Oh, Their yeah. best server, Kravarik, yeah. their opposite, steps back to serve. The announcer said that. And by the way, I don't remember what happened. And Nicole happened to walk into my office when I was watching. I was like, oh, he serves him at the net right here. I just called. I was like, they're like, oh, the best server goes back. I was like, oh, he's totally going to blow this. Did not go in the net. No. Hit the net and then went out of bounds. I'm down the line. Yep. Kravarik's best serve is down the line. Yep. I've seen it. Whatever, five matches in a row. You're right? in full panic. <laughs> Hell no. Just kidding. I am, I am focused You're and ready. ready. Focused and ready. Yep. He serves, and I will forever remember this. I am standing basically with my foot almost on the line. Yep. A couple inches from the line. Yep. He serves. The thing hits the tape coming right at it me. It was coming right at you. And it changes direction. <laughs> I don't even... I mean, this is one of those being-in-the-moment things. Karch has an article right now on USAV talking about being kind of mindful playing and, and not thinking, being able to react to stuff. When yeah. and, and the less thinking, the better in some cases, yeah. right? Because you've established the skills, and you do it automatically. It hits the tape, and I know it's out. And I a, stand up. And a gust of wind blows through the arena and pushes it out of bounds. It, it just had enough spin. It went, and it jogged off to my left 
off the right from his arm. Before it's out of bounds, you're already going... I already stand up if you slow it down. It's out by about a foot. (laughs) Like like your, your ruler from seventh grade... That you broke halfway through. With the metal on one side of it. With the metal on one side that yep. you then find yourself halfway through the year trying to use the trying wood. To rip it out, yeah. Because the metal got ripped out. <laughs> it is out by maybe that much. Yeah, maybe. But I look like it has been served into the crowd. Yeah, you have no doubt. Because I knew it was out. Yeah. So we come back, we win 16-14 in the fifth. I think Off of, let's, let's talk about that last play with a dig by you down the line. Well, that's not the last play. Was that to get you guys? That's to get us the ad. Sure, okay. Right? Okay. So we get the ad with that one. And, yeah, it's I serve, go play left back. It gets crushed down the line. I dig it. It goes perfectly Perfectly. to Donald. Perfectly. Like on the money. Yeah. Donald decides to pineapple dump it, a la Loy Ball, into the deep corner. I was watching that. As I watched, I was like, if that doesn't go down, everybody on the team hates him. If it goes down, you're the greatest ever. Donald Sujo, a notoriously over-aggressive setter. Yeah. But not usually from that spot. When you get upset with Donald, when it was when he was 10 feet off and he turned and tried so to try do to something it. with it. You're like, Donald, <laughs> you were 10 feet off the net. Although that kind of tip would have gone down against the United States uh, all, all day as yeah. Saturday. But we'll get to that. Donald puts it into the deep corner. It goes down. I, I think I serve the next one. But the end result play that we win on is they set the middle. Yeah. The middle scuds it long. That's right. They want a touch. No touch no called. Touch. Their guy tries to rip down the net a la Karch 89. Yeah. Does not come down. They've improved net standards since yep. 89. And, and that's it. Ball it's game. over. Yeah. By the way, I think Tom Hoff touched it. Whatever. By the way, that arena went dead silent, too. Dead silent. Yeah. And you know what? Kravark, when he went back to serve, that, that serve he missed, my favorite shots, he kisses the ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It out. And then launches it out of bounds. Perfect for the tragedy. By a foot. Happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Tom Hoff, today. Congratulations to him for not getting caught on that touch. <laughs> Happy birthday <laughs> to gold medalist Tom Hoff, who became a gold medalist in 2012. Uh, yeah, it, it really... 2012? 2008. Sorry, 8. 2008. Um, really, I can't think of a match of that circumstance... With that big a comeback. I can think of great matches. Italy, Holland for the gold medal. Five sets. Yep. Russia, Brazil. This last Olympics for five sets. Yep. Oh, that was 96, by the way. Italy, Holland, if you want to look it up. Russia, Brazil. I think one of the all-time great gold medal finals, 2012. But nothing where you're trailing that far and come all the way back. Pretty, pretty remarkable match. Fun Fun to watch. I was glad to be a part of it. If you if you ask me what was the most memorable match of my career, that's that's it. And then probably also a Champions League comeback. We were down two sets to none. Came back and won in five. Two sets to none. Came back and won in five against Belgorod in the club Champions League Final Four. It's a good feeling. It was fun. That was good with my Belgian team. We then got slaughtered. <laughs> The, the interesting thing about this is the two most memorable matches I have, I then received a slaughter afterwards. Afterwards. Well, it's the two worst losses in my career. Let me ask you this. As a player, like, your emotions had to be high in that match against Greece. Yes. Was it hard to get? I couldn't get to sleep that night. Was it hard to get back up again for your next match? I don't know how long you had until no, your next match. No, it's every other day. Gotcha. It, it wasn't hard to get back up for it. I 
think I was tired by that point, and I think my play against Russia showed that. I think I go five for twenty. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's a lot of soft touches, and it's it's the same thing when a when a hitter gets tired, they start hitting that high seam, and you just can't against Russia. It just doesn't just can't work. Just put it away. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, I I think I was a little spent after that, unfortunately. Um, had we gone three zero, probably different. Yeah, different story. Had we won three zero, you probably would have arrived a little fresher, more focused, with more more you could bring to it. That tournament's really tough. Every other day. Yep. For two weeks. And it's not just the physical part of things. Yeah. It's the emotional aspect of things. So really a tough tournament. Um, But, you know, Russia was a good team, big team. They they played well and beat us. A moment I wish I had back was first set of that bronze medal match. Guy's back there at set point for Russia. I know he's going to cut the ball. Yeah. I'm in the middle back. I know he's going to cut the ball. He cuts it. I didn't. I didn't buy into my own thought See, process. Yeah. I end up sprawled out to get it. Lloyd goes up, tries to dump it or something, gets called over or something at the end of the first set. Gotcha. And it's on me because I passed the damn ball over the net. And the only reason I did that is because you I didn't, didn't trust your initial answer. Trust with my, my intuition there to, to go and get it and get that split second more. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I, I that match, it's funny because that match with Greece gets followed up by Brazil thumping us in three. <laughs> And my match in five against Belgrade gets followed up with Sicily Treviso thumping us in three. Those are the two matches. At least you had the matches before. Yeah, you know, those are the two matches in my career that I feel like I could play ten times and we might win one or two. And I don't really feel that way about any other match. Yeah. Any other match, I feel like we could have won. But those two matches, I look at and go, yeah, those are pretty good teams that we ran into. Yeah. Brazil was at the height of their power in that match and at that moment. They were really at the height of their power in that semifinal in 2004. Very impressive team. Yeah. And same with Cicely Treviso in that Champions League final in 1999. It was, and I'm going to name off some names here. You're going to have to look them up. Peter Blanger, setter from the Netherlands, 6'10". Dimitri Fomin, the opposite Russian guy. Middles were Pasquale Gravina and Andrea Gardini. Legends. Absolute legends. Outsides, Poppy, Samuel Poppy. Poppy. Played till he was 40, by the way. Nice. On the national team. Six foot three, best six foot three player ever. Probably the only comparable guy to the debut here of Taylor Sander. We'll get to that. Yep. And their other outside was Bernardi. He's only co player of the century. That's a pretty good team. My team had Walt Weissman's best player to ever come out of Belgium, still playing in Italy. Or maybe this year he went somewhere else. He was playing early for a long time. Uh, myself, Mike Seeley, setting the final. Yeah. Because we paralyzed our setter. I think I may have told this story on, on this show before. <laughs> we literally did paralyze our setter. The doctor stuck a needle in the wrong spot in his spine. Oh. He was paralyzed, sent back to the hotel while we played the Champions League final. Vital Heinen, who's now the head coach of the German men. Paralyzed him for how long? Three, four hours. What? Cortisone shot. Put it in the wrong spot can't use the bottom of your legs. It's like getting an epidural for your whole leg. It's like getting a leg block. Oh. So they literally paralyzed him. He fell off the chair or the table. They They're take like, him okay, out. you can leave now. He tries to stand up and he's done. This is 10 minutes before we go out to warm up. Oh, my God. And they go, hey, Mike, you're in. So Mike Seeley plays. So Vital Heinen, who's now the head coach of Germany, that was our setter. 
Uh, and then we had a bunch of other just put together guys, and we had gone to the Champions League final. We were we were awesome that year. That year, now this is maybe along the line of the Kings. That year, we had eight five set matches. Wow! Between Champions League, Belgian Cup, and Belgian finals, how many of those do you suppose we won? Five set matches. Out of eight. Out of eight. Well, I don't know how good your team was, and how I'm going to give you at least four. Single. No. One. Every one. I dominated. You go five, yeah. you lose the Nolico Mosaic. If everyone was doing a great job, then everyone would win the championship. Every year. <laughs> Why do those still come up? Because they're great. <laughs> uh, so, so maybe that's comparable. Maybe uh, Nolico Mosaic, Stanley Cup. I don't know. I, still, I can't believe they paralyzed your center. <laughs> paralyzed them. <laughs> we came back from the match. We I went up to see him. so angry. We went up to see him. He's laying in a darkened room because they went back and watched it on TV. He's laying in a darkened room under some blankets. He's paralyzed. Dude. I would... Oh. Unbelievable. I just got a shot in my foot, and I'm glad my doctor didn't paralyze me. <laughs> Put it in the plantar fascia. Ah, my leg! Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Oh. All right. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about Volby Q. We will talk about the men's, men's debut, 4 and O. Oh. 4-0 so far. That is a fantastic start for the American side. And beat Russia hey, two times in a row. You go to Bulgaria. You beat Bulgaria twice in Bulgaria. A tall task. The United States does that. Then they come home. They face Russia. We'll talk about the Russian team that they faced. You might have some questions if you're a naysayer there. Uh, but they did come in and defeat the Russian team back-to-back nights. And that's, that's never an easy task to beat any team back-to-back nights is never an easy task. So, perfect start for the Americans. We'll be right back here on the Net Live. Until you're announced We've not yet lost all our graces The hounds will stay in chase Look upon your greatness and she'll send the call out and 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 the call out and
looking at a lot of pictures of the Lord while we're listening to her there. It's uh, Jimmy. You and I were talking about how difficult it is to to be a per, like an individual musician. I think being in a band is more akin to being in a team. Correct. Where some of the attention can get deflected or moved around. It may cause rifts and this and that. But it's easier for the individuals. I think. Boy, if you're an individual like this, who all of a sudden shoots to fame quickly, that's tough. Well, that's a lot to deal with as a female artist and young too. She's like, yeah, she's what, seventeen, sixteen, something like that. Man, doesn't sound like it. Nope. Or look like it, but I want to make sure we thank our sponsors here on the program, Six Eight Clothing Company. You've heard us talk about them. It's time for you to go and check them out at Six Eight Clothing Company dot com. That is with the number eight. Enter TNL10, if you can remember all these numbers here. Enter TNL10, and you'll get 10% off your order there from 6-8. They combine style and proper fit for the tall and athletic man. You don't have to worry about your jeans getting fatter as they get longer. You don't have to worry about your shirt making you look like a flying squirrel, making you feel comfortable if you dive out of a tree. It's going to fit you. It's going to fit your body. They have, they have LTs, which is large tall. They have XL, XT, extra large, extra tall. They have a lot of different styles and sizes to fit your body the best. Go check them out. They also have a bunch of little things that are a little bit better for the large, tall, and athletic man. 68clothingcompany.com. Go and visit them today. TNL10 is your product code. Thanks to the AVCA as well for their support of this show over the years and Volleyball Mag for continuing to host our site. And, uh, Jeremy, I think it's time to talk talk a little World League. Okay. Now, let's do this in order. Okay. Friday night. Yep. First match. Yep. Anything Friday night is a hard sell in L.A. Because you simply cannot get there. It's not that people don't want to do things. Traffic. Traffic is bad. Paul Sunderland left his house at quarter after two. Got there a little after five. From <laughs> Malibu. Well, I mean, you're talking like... Two and a half, three hours for Paul to get there. I left here. It took me an hour and 25 minutes to get there. From here. Yeah. It's a 25-minute journey normally. Correct. An extra hour. There's nothing I can do. I don't own a helicopter. Can't go any faster. I don't have the budget for a helicopter. I would love to have landed on the pyramid front lawn. Yes. In a helicopter. But I don't have it. So there's nothing you can do about it. You just plan for it. But for fans, if you're getting off work... If you have kids in school, if you have a job. Because what time did the match start on Friday? 7 o'clock. So unless you live in the Long Beach area. Man, it's tough. It's going to be tough to get there. Now, I've said before, I like Long Beach as a venue. Not because of the building, because I think the building is, for volleyball, terrible. It's vacuous. The lights are in the wrong spots and all that kind of stuff. But I think, as far as the location goes, yeah, perfect. Okay. 710 comes right in there, 605 not far away. Yep. 405, of course, going right by. There's a lot of good ways to get to Long Beach. You can draw from the South Bay. South Bay can go down through Long Beach if they want. Correct. There's a lot of different ways to get there. So I, I like the location from a standpoint of how many different people you can draw in. Friday night, good crowd. So yep. I'm going to say good crowd. I, w- I would guess 3,500 to 4,000 in a 5,000 building yep. by the time it filled in. Really nice crowd. They were into it. United States, victorious in the first two sets. Gardoff said everyone can stay at his house next time to avoid the traffic. <laughs> Don't talk to your wife about that first, Matt. Yeah, see what Corinne has to say. Yeah. And 
Good crowd. They're into it. United States first two sets. Victorious. Third set, kind of let up. Yeah. Did not play well. Fourth set, leading 21-17. Time to close it out. Yeah. Doesn't. What happened? Just bad plays. Gotcha. Then, fifth set, come out and win. Good one for the United States. Yep. Solid. Starting in Reed's spot, or we'll have to stop calling it that, starting in the other outside hitter spot, Sean Rooney. Yep. Ran out of gas, his back locked up on him. Ugh. So he went out. Paul Lottman came in. Mm-hmm. If you're going to look at the stats for Paul Lottman from Friday night, you're going to wonder why I would say what I'm about to say. Okay. He's four for ten, a couple of digs, a couple of passes, whatever. He came in what part of the match? Fourth set. Okay. I believe. Maybe late third. Okay. And Paul did all the little things. Stuff that's not going to show up in the plain stack. Yeah. He played a tremendous match when he came in. Made a difference. Quality second contacts. Passed the ball well. Communicated well. Got a couple of kills when he was called upon. Managed a few swings well that were tough swings. Yep. Made a better play out of it. All those things. Paul Lottman did a, a really nice job on Friday night. So, United States victorious. Now, the Russian team, not really the Russian team that we're used to seeing. No Muzerski. They didn't have their A squad, correct? No, it was more like their B, B and C combined. Okay. <laughs> Your B and C squad combined. And I'm beginning to wonder what the Russians are doing with this tournament because they're now, after this weekend, 0-4. Are they doing what the USA did, like trying to get some new guys, younger guys, some playing time to see how so. they're going to do? Okay. I think so, because they have some young guys in there. Yep. One of the ugliest middles I've ever seen. <laughs> but I, I don't know what it is. They look like they're put together with Legos. That's really funny. Do they not? I, A I, lot I, of Eastern <laughs> Europe looks like, on the guy side, they were put together with Legos. Because they look very block-looking, is that what you're trying There's to say? There's lots of sharp edges on people's faces. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I feel bad for the women of Eastern Europe, because there are a lot of good-looking women in Eastern Europe. If you go to Poland... You feel bad for them because they're good-looking, but their male species isn't... Like... Horrific, the male species. <laughs> Horrific. <laughs> and they don't help themselves with the shaved heads and the not the no manscaping, the eyebrows and weird stuff. It's just terrible. The pencil beards? Yeah, the pencil beards. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Good Lord. I mean, just clean it up over there. You look like hell. I'm speaking to the men. <laughs> so, but if you go to Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Russia. Yeah. Um, somebody was telling me also Bulgaria has raised their game. The women are off the hook. Now, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's an Italy situation <laughs> or a Brazil, but Italy for sure because I've seen this firsthand. Can you wear thongs in Russia and Siberia like you can in Brazil? Please do. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Well, what the Italy situation is this. A 17-year-old, 18-year-old Italian girl yeah. will dress and look like she's in her mid to late 20s uh-huh. and just smoking hot. Okay. All put together. Okay. The clothes, the look, the makeup, the strut, the whole thing. Just a grown woman. From 17 to 30. Okay. Nails. Something between 30 and 40 happens. And I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's chocolate, smoking, staying up late. I don't know what it is. 
But all of a sudden at 40, you get clogs and a house coat. And horrendous looking. I just don't know. The hair goes away. You get the old lady, like, perm. I don't know what happens. But a 40-year-old, this is my view, a 40-year-old Italian woman does not look nearly as good on the whole as a 40-year-old United States woman. Now, maybe we've got to say SoCal because you get into the heart of America and folks are large. But... I don't understand what happens. I, I don't know where it goes because even some of these women, like we were, we were wandering around Italy in 1999. We'll, just let people know. We'll get back to our recap momentarily as we go off on this tangent. Yeah, continue. 1999. We're in Sicily. Our trainer, Margie, uh-huh. we call her Margaret Thatcher. Uh-huh. Margie, at one point, because we've just been looking around, she, without anyone saying anything, she goes, I can't believe the women around here. They are unbelievable looking. Unprompted. Unprompted. Yeah. Marks goes, these women are unreal. Yeah. Like, it, it's that obvious. <laughs> yes, but I don't know where it goes away. Okay. So anyway, uh, yeah, lots of sharp edges on the Russians. But <laughs> that's how we got there. That was a great tangent. <laughs> so Friday night, the Legos were playing USA. <laughs> the 8-bit Lego phases. Yeah. Against the United States. The United States wins. And Russia, yeah, they don't have any of their big guys. Even Taras Kate, two-time Olympian and bronze medalist in uh, 04 against us and then 2012 with that team, the gold medalist. He played back row. So trying out a bunch of young guys. You know, the United States, hey, they're a young team as well. Yeah. If you look at that starting lineup, Taylor Sander outside. Yep. Matt Anderson, the most veteran of the group in the opposite. At the ripe old age of 27, Seven. something like that, yeah. Just kind of hitting his prime. He's got probably five good, really, really good years in him. Maybe more, yeah. but at least that. And then in the middle, Max Holt and Dave Lee. That's what your starting lineup looks like with Micah Christensen setting. And Eric Choji at libero. So in the back row, at one point, I remember on Saturday, I made a remark about I love the way the back row was playing, especially because of their age. Shoji, yeah. yep. Sander, and Christensen. The libero play was, at least on Saturday, was fantastic. Man, he's good. Yep. Man, I'm impressed with Eric Shoji. I am really impressed. And he continues to impress. That's the thing. He continues to make plays. I was already impressed last year. He continues to make some really nice plays. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a young guy versus young guy group, but good job by the U.S. to kind of gut it out. Let's, uh, let's talk about Volby Q. So we got through Friday. That's Friday night. Saturday, Volby Q prior to the match. Volby Q. Volby Q 3. Starts at 1. Volby Q 3. You're there. I wasn't there at 1. What time did you get there? 2 o'clock, so I could okay. get some food and enjoy the atmosphere, and then I started spinning around 3. And it was good. People were playing. It was funny because when I first got the people were like, oh, like, they couldn't tell how many people were there, but the front lawn is so spread out. Like, there was... Uh, four or five grass volleyball courts and then three other lower net grass courts maybe for the kids. For the kids, yeah. If you want to bring some badminton, you could play badminton on it. Um, well, so if you I had, want to play some mitten net. Yeah. So you had all those grass courts, and then you had people with, you know, you had the food trucks, yep. the DJ booth, some sponsor tents, Mizuno, World Series Beach Volleyball, some others I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, and then you had other people that had, like, their lawn chairs and tents out in the middle, Mm-hmm. But there was plenty of room for everybody. 
So they weren't packed on top of each other. It was it was a great atmosphere. It was perfect. Like you're, you had great food. You could relax. You could talk to people. The music was legit. And, well, obviously. Uh, you know, it was just a really good vibe. And everybody who showed up got a gift bag. And let's also talk about the fact that I think originally Matt said they were allotted 400 tickets yes. to sell to this thing. They sold them all. Sold them all. And then I think ended up selling 500-plus tickets to the barbecue. Like they got a little bit more allotted to them and sold over 500. Only 20 no-shows. Yep. Uh, by the way, I see Guest 1700 is in there. He, he logged some TV time. I'm not sure it made the okay. broadcast, oh, but okay. I saw him at one point. I was like, hey! Nice. Guest 1700. Nice. Um, so the barbecue I thought was fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy that USAV got involved with that and um, that Matt and USAV did that together this year. USA Volleyball Foundation. Correct. I apologize. Yep. Um, that seemed like a good marriage. Correct. They, yeah, the check, it was all seamless. Like, the barbecue was effortless, at least for me, obviously. But then it seemed like for people that were coming there, you got, you checked in, you got your tickets, you got your little wristband of the game, you got, you know, you're into the fan section, you go enjoy the food, have fun, play some volleyball if you want, go inside, cheer on the team. Absolutely. It was great. I brought my family. I brought my youngest son and my wife and my mom. Because we we came down late. I wanted to make a whole day of it. I originally had planned to be there all day. Yeah. But we had playoff football at 2, which lasted until 3.30. It's a drink, by the way. And then we got down there a little after 4. Okay. And, yeah, check right in, go to the food trucks, get a ice cream sandwich with cookie. By the way, it wasn't an ice cream sandwich. It was two ginormous cookies. Right. With about a quart of ice cream between the two of them. It was really good. You had to eat it with utensils. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Furbs was there. Furby was the the Grand Marshal. Yeah. Uh, Gardhoff drove him onto the grounds via the sidewalk (laughs) in a convertible must. Nice. Kids were throwing glitter and stuff at him. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. Furby was doing the, you know, the... The princess, uh, queen of England, way yeah, to hand everybody. Completely hand cuffed. completely cuffed, just turning it side to side. <laughs> um, hair looking fantastic, Matt. Looked, the golden god looked great. There is, she didn't recognize him at first with that long hair because she had yeah he, he years uh, ago with the long he's, hair. He's um, assistant coach Furby haircut now. Yeah, you had better look. He, look, he looks the part. Yeah, yeah, looks distinguished. Looks like he should command respect from people. You can't be Russell from Stillwater. No, you know, walking around with his hands behind his back. You know that, you yeah. know that walk, that look like, mm-hmm, yeah, give him your little head nod a little bit. That was, that's Matt. He's got it going. I love it. So uh, they did a great job. They had, a, um, they had a pepper contest. They had an adult and a kid. Well, I wanted to be there for that. I was yeah. kind of ticked I missed that. Yeah, whoever kept uh, the pepper going the longest, you know, the peppers, if you pepper on each other, yeah. uh, won. Lots of prize giveaways. Yeah, I, I, costume contest was legit. People stepped up their game this year, even more than last year. Yeah, and then wore those costumes into the arena, by the way, which I hope you guys got on TV. I'm not sure how much of it. I know we had some shots. Yeah, but I mean the fan the zone was raging. I, I love the picture. It's you, Gardhoff, in his triangle hat, of course, yep. colonial outfit, yep. and the eagle. Do you know who's in the eagle That's outfit? All America, right there. You want to guess who was in the evil outfit? Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Gardhoff's wife. Oh, Corinne was in there. Yeah. Oh, that's it. I saw her getting help because I don't think the vision was very good in the eagle. 
She's getting some help down the stairs yes. at one point. So I went down to take a photo with Matt because he was in his costume. I was like, I need to get a photo with Matt. And he's like, oh, do you want to get a photo with the eagle? I was like, oh, obviously. He's like, that's my <laughs> wife. I go, what? He's like, yeah, my wife is in the eagle costume. I was like, are you joking? <laughs> oh, bravo yeah, for her. It was bravo. great. It was great. Yeah, that, that is fantastic. But I sat in the fan zone just to feel the vibe. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Saw you up there. Yep. Yeah. I was looking for my mom. My mom wore my jersey. Saw your mom. And a glittery cowboy hat. Yep. Same one she wore to 04. Yeah, loved it. Red, white, and blue hat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. My my youngest wore a Green Bay Packers shirt, which Tom Sorensen was delighted with. He still had his uh, uh, football, um, what's the the black stuff you put under your eye? He yeah. still had that on when he got to the uh, barbecue. Yeah, well, he comes straight from. Yeah. So, yeah, and those that are wondering, of course. Update. Number one undefeated team in the league. Making it back to the Super Bowl. No, no. We took them down. Oh, you did? For us to go to the Super Bowl. Nice. We're the fourth seed or nice. fifth seed. Face them. This is a team we just duke it out with. We won 15-8. You just told them to suck it after the game. It was awesome. But So, yeah, we came straight down. Uh, yeah, all the, the names here. Emily Day, Jeff Menzel, Phil Etherton, Jeff Nygaard, Bev Oden. Yep. Yep. Did you talk to Beth? Did she talk to you? Yeah, I talked to her. I, I didn't get to see Beth. Yeah, I gave her a hug. Invited her back on the show. Nice. I saw her from a distance, but I never got to say hello to her. We'll have her in here to the program for an entire program here awesome. at some point. Um, I talked to her about doing that, so so we look forward to having Bev Oden here. I told her I still be great. We'll fight. We'll hug. We'll cry. We'll be awesome. Yeah, she's thinking good. we fight first. Sure. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I know she's kind of busy now. She had her own podcast for a while, but you get busy. Uh, the barbecue, just. Awesome. And the front spot, compared to Volby Q2, which was behind, yeah, the front spot, much better. Really nice presence. Correct. If you drove down, what's the street, Atherton or whatever street that is? Sure. That the pyramid is on. You drove down, you, you would buy and went, what's, what's going on? on? It's, what's a, it's a party, there? and how come I'm not invited? Yeah. 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 And so, uh, Matt Gardhoff, we knew you were awesome. Thanks for confirming that once again. Well, I hope for him, too. I mean, you never know behind the scenes all this stuff. I hope it was, it was a success for him as well. I, I think it was. I asked Corinne about getting her personal life back. Yeah. I think she's excited about that. <laughs> Maybe we'll keep the Eagle costume. I don't know. I'm sure Matt's uh, real job that pays him money is happy to have him back, too. Oh, yeah. Al Skates was there. Good point. Randy, I, talk, I talked to Al. Randy Stokos was there as well. Saw him. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, And that was one of the fun things about this event was if you went through the crowd, we unfortunately did not have the crew to be able to find people. Oh, this is gotcha. what you may not know about TV. Sometimes you're working with folks who don't shoot volleyball when it comes so to the cameramen. So they don't know. They don't, you're already struggling just to get them to shoot the sport right. Yeah. You can't worry about shooting the crowd. Yeah. If we had been able to shoot the crowd, the dignitaries, the yeah. volleyball people that were there, yep. Jared Elliott, yep. in working with the team, was sitting down off the end line. Uh, I'm trying to think. Some of the 64 Olympians were there. Tyler Hildebrand was there in his USA gear. <laughs> Tyler Hildebrand's everywhere. He is legitimately he everywhere. He was at the AVP. Yeah. He's coaching those guys. He's coaching with the national team. He's coaching juniors. I, he's everywhere. Donald Sun was there representing the AVP. Did not see Donald. Yeah, Saw Al Lau. Yep. Saw Al Skates. Of course, Karch was there. Karch, Reed Karchy. was there. Yeah. And there's all kinds of uh, of people there. Reed had called in momentarily, and then not. he's gone. So I don't know if he's gone back or not. Okay. All right. Yeah, just uh, amazing, amazing turnout. So, bravo again, Southern California. I saw, before I went into the match, I saw Reed was talking to him, and uh, his son came up in his pretty jersey, and his fingers taped, just like Reed does for the matches. 
This is Caden? Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, every, all ten of his fingers had black tape on them. Oh, that's And he was ready to side out. That is amazing. Yep. Ready to side out. Oh, here's a picture, maybe. A vintage Barnett jersey. That's a Volvi Q3. Oh, it's not there, though. Hold on. See, this is, you know, the Facebook app, they get a little bit of work to do with this thing, because if I click on it and it's in the Net Live page, it will not take me to it. Yeah, you just got to dig a little deeper. Yeah, and the Net Live, right I have to go like... Mom, I see it. How come yeah. you couldn't get to it? I don't know, because right the, the app stinks. Right there, bro. Yep, I'm, there you go. I'm right through the app. So There's my right. mom. Yep. That's me checking in. Besides you and I, or besides me and you, I believe is the proper... Is it me and you, you and I? I can never figure no, out. No, wait, hold on. No, it's you and I, because... I, I would say I was also wearing. Not me. Me was also wearing, yes. right? You, you, and I, you and I were both right. wearing our NetLife shirts. The blue ones, by the way, because it was, you know, went with a patriotic theme. Um, I saw some other NetLife shirts in the crowd as well. Oh, good. Yeah. Had some NetLife fans and say that they love me and hate you. <laughs> they may not have said hate, but that's, that's, that's what I <laughs> that's heard. That's what you heard. That's what I heard, Kevin. <laughs> that's what I heard. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. We all have our roles to play. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, there was a cardboard cutout. Matt points out of Mazursky. Nice. People were taking photos next to it. Oh, they had a full-size oh, one? Life-size. Seven oh, is it up top or something? I didn't no, see it. it was attached to, uh, um, you know, the tent that Nicole was sitting in. Did you go see her when she was sitting in the tent? Did you see Nicole? No, I didn't. I was uh, kind of bummed out. I know Arians are. A jerk. <laughs> I was like, get me out of here Yeah, I before go. I have to talk to Nicole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that... Uh, and then going into the match, by the way, and they beat Russia 3-0. 3-0 on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Nice performance. Here's, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Taylor Sander, mm-hmm. sick debut through four matches. Mm-hmm. Sick. And I read some crap on the Internet this morning. People talking about how he, he wasn't measuring up passing-wise and this and that. And it's like, dude, really? You're going to watch that debut and come out and try and pick it apart? Yeah, there's a couple plays that aren't that good. There's a couple plays that aren't that good for everybody that's out on that floor. Everybody. For a rookie, a stone-cold rookie. Yeah. I cannot think of a better debut. Stone-cold rookie to the international game. Interesting. Playing the complete game. Somebody might say George Romain. Mike, what about Mike's debut internationally starting? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grade him even better, but I think Mike has a harder job. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So they asked me for a grade on the broadcast. I gave Mike a B plus for the weekend or for Saturday. For his whole his whole time on the national team thus far. Okay, I give him a B plus. I want to see him serve better. Okay, some of the decisions aren't great, but I mean, really, at a B plus, I'm really nitpicking to get to a B plus with Micah. I am thoroughly impressed with Micah. He's got a few things to work on, blocking a little bit. Because he's so good, you're giving him a B plus. Does that make sense? No, because the job is so big. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, and because of his potential, like you know, he's going to get better. Like, if this was the best that he could do, would you give him an A? If you're like, oh, that's that's his limit. That's the best that he can do. I'll no, because that's what I'm saying. I'm grading him against the job. Oh, okay. So where the job of an outside hitter is much bigger than the job of an opposite. George Romain comes in and plays opposite for the national team. Mm-hmm. He's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. But you're just playing opposite. And at that point, too, opposite wasn't called on to do even as much, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, George, fine debut, played well on the national team, but it's not as big a job as what Taylor Sander is being asked to do right now to, to 
receive serve, pass in the back row. His blocking has been thoroughly impressive. And how tall is he? 6'4". Yeah. It's the moves and the way his, his eye movement, his discipline on the block, him getting there on time, all that stuff. Whew. Really, really nice. Yeah. Hardest skill to master yeah. as an outside hitter. Even harder than passing, usually. So, Taylor's job is bigger. The setter's job, I think, is even bigger than that. To run yeah, the yeah. whole oh, offense. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. deal with all the egos. To, to manage the, the match and the game. Especially at such a young age. Yeah. And so, I, I'm thoroughly impressed with what he's doing. I think that B-plus measures up against the A I would give Taylor Sander, if that makes yeah, sense yeah, on a, on a scale. Yep. So... Uh, Taylor Sander, hey, man, keep up the good work. I still want to see what happens when things go south, because they will. It always does. Things go up and down. And I want to see how Taylor Sander deals with that. Based on what I've seen so far, kind of what I know about if you're going to go through that BYU program, be mentored by Carl and Chris yeah. McGowan up there, I'll bet he does fine through those those periods. Mm-hmm. I'll bet he comes out the other side just fine. So Taylor Sander, keep up the good work. Uh, Dave Lee still looking good in the sleeveless. Uh, he's 47 years old and he looks <laughs> tremendous. Uh, Max Holt, I said something to Max Holt, and you're like, "Did you say that to him?" I'm like, "Yeah, I did, but that's just kind of me." I said, "Max, if the if the net was seven feet high, you'd be the best server in the world right now." What did he? <laughs> I don't what know what his, you say to that. What was his facial expression to you when you said that? Uh, I don't know. Like, did it look like he wanted to choke I, I you? I moved on quickly. Yeah. Like, as you were saying, you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Here's, here's prior what, to the match or post-match? Prior to the match. Second match. But if you're Max, the only reason I say that, if you suck, I'm not even going to talk to you about it. If your jump serve just sucks and you suck, I'm not even going to talk to you yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, correct. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Max Holt, this guy could be a weapon yeah. from the service line. Mm-hmm. He ought to be a weapon from the service line. He just has to hit the ball a foot higher consistently. I've never seen a guy, and, and it's been going on for a few years now, consistently bomb the ball with pace, with location. I mean, be really tough. Right into the middle of the net. Right into the net. <laughs> I just, I want more from Max, and I think he's capable of it. That's what, that's what gets me about it. Gotcha. He's capable of being a weapon. He needs to be a weapon. I'll take it to his blocking as well. When he gets to a spot, he is an excellent blocker. Didn't he win the match? Yeah, he stuffed a couple balls right down the stretch. And then did he turn around and tell you to suck it? No, because oh, okay. when he gets there, he's Just incredible. Curious. Who broke Reed's face? Two years ago. I don't remember. It was Max Holt. Oh, Max. With the elbow to the dome. Watch the first match. Count how many times Max ends up outside the outside hitter when the play is complete. Yeah. He goes to block, and he is flying into them, around them, off to the rest stand. <laughs> I, you can't do that. Yeah. It's not effective at blocking, yeah. and it's dangerous yeah. for you and the person next to you. It's just not okay, and it's got to be fixed. Yeah. Max, when he goes and stops and goes straight up and over, man, is he over the net. He is a force. So is, the, is that a discipline thing or just under, more under control? Or is that him swinging outside the block? Body control. Body control. It's just body control and attention to what you're doing. Okay. Max Holt, offensively, I will set him against anybody. Set him. Mm-hmm. Get him the ball. I said during the match, I'd like to see some matches and a lot of matches where he's getting, say, six to nine attempts per set. He had a lot of open swings with no block. Because the, the other middle is undisciplined as hell. The Russian guy? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I don't know what that guy was doing. <laughs> the one that Holt hit, and there's a good picture of it somebody posted this morning, with nobody up in the, 
in the third set was just an absolute bomb. It was a smashing. Yeah. Yeah. But Max side out wise, he's awesome. He's got to fix the blocking. Okay. And he will. I, I think, and the thing that gets me with some of these guys and why I get a little upset on the program is because I think they can do it. And I want it to happen now. Well, and I'm sure Furby can help out with that. Guys who I don't think, guys who I think have maxed out, I just don't, I don't care that much. Fine. That's where you are and you're not getting any better. Yeah. There are some guys like that. But I think Max Holt still has incredible potential. Fix the serve, Max. Just reach and get over the top of the thing instead of dropping it down and hitting it into the net. Yeah. Just reach. That's all you got to do. And, and if he would correct those mechanics, and I'm certain he's working on it. Yeah. If he would correct those mechanics, he will add to the surface pressure from the United States. I want to see that as a fan, as an alumni of USA Volleyball. I want to see him improve. I like what he's doing. Get even better, please. Now, after seeing them in person this weekend, where do you stand with the team now? How do you feel about them? I like what they're doing. Okay. I like what they're doing. Uh, I like what Paul Ottman did off the bench. I have no clue what Paul Ottman can do as a starter. Okay. think he's poor Riley Salmon right now. Okay. He's kind of Riley Salmon light. Mm-hmm. Does he become Riley Salmon eventually? Maybe. But I never see enough of Paul to, to really get a gauge of what Paul's capable of. Maybe we will at some point. Um, I like Matt Anderson a lot, obviously. Keep in mind, I don't like him at the opposite, not because of what Matt does or doesn't do. Love Matt as a player. He finally hit some wrist away, some solid wrist yeah, away. Yeah, saw that. Yep. wasn't where he was facing. It was yeah. wrist away down the line. That, that's coming along. Really like what Matt did. He, he continues to impress me. One thing really impressed me was his jump serving. I don't know if you noticed. He's got two different jump serves right now. Anderson. Yeah. One is the toss it high, hit it. Yeah. Regular jump serve. The other one is a jump float, but it doesn't look like a jump float. It's still toss it and toss it the same way and hit it like a float. Interesting. Those couple aces in the beginning and the almost near aces, yep. it was that serve. Interesting. It is gnarly when he hits it. Guys are back there like, oh, he's going to rip this. And then it's and he does. Yeah, but it's a float serve. It's the difference between like Tom Candiotti, knuckleball pitcher, throwing the ball 48 miles an hour. Yep. Or could he throw a knuckleball that was 77 miles an hour? Gotcha. Now, the regular jump float is the 44-mile-an-hour ball. Yep. This was a 77-mile-an-hour jump float. This that's was a real jump float. That's gnarly. Not the little... Yeah. This was... Throw it like a jump serve and whack it like a float. And, but full speed, take a swing and make it float. How does it not go 80 feet out of bounds? He's 6'10". That's true. Or 6'9 and jumps. I said on air, I couldn't hit that serve. Yeah. I'm not big enough yeah. to hit that serve. I'm not tall enough and long enough to hit that serve. But then what happened with that serve is it's very critical. It goes away quickly. The window in which you can hit it is very small. If you're outside that window, it goes in the net. It goes long. When it's in, it's gnarly. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But if you think of it from a standpoint of window size, okay, maybe that's a, a little six-by-six six square. Yeah. Whereas his jump serve is like a full regular Throw window. Throw wherever you want, yeah. Yeah, he, can, Just go he has a lot, more error, um, a lot more error zone in there where room, he can room for error. be successful. Yeah, room yeah, for yeah. error, yes, thank you. He, so, hey, keep it up, Matt Anderson. Keep working at it. I, I hope we see some Carson Clark. Put the new Vert machine on a couple of guys. Yeah. Got the people at Vert to send one. Yeah. Thanks to those guys. Because we heard about it. Where did we hear We heard about, about it Monday. To the guy Monday afternoon. We heard from, Who? from Steve. From the 
PVL. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. We heard from Steve, and he said, yeah, they have this thing. I'll get you the information. He did. I called the guy. I had it in my hand on Thursday. That's awesome. I put it on Reese down here. <laughs> he, uh, he jumped, I think, 21-something. Nice. It was pretty good. I stuck it on Carson Clark. His highest real one was 41. He had one that went 47.8. I'm like, what does that mean? I, that means something happened. <laughs> he, but he went, and I could see it. You know, I was watching him kind of half jump this. Time, and yeah. I'm sitting all the way across the arena, and it worked great. Yeah. But he hit 41. I put on Taylor Sander, 43.8 in warm-ups. Wow, and warm-ups. Yeah, I didn't have him on him during the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a couple of those swings, he was probably higher in the match. That's funny. There were some <laughs> OT swings that Taylor Sander put down that were sick. Uh, so I, I'll give the United States men, the young guys, I want to say I want to say A. I'm gonna go B plus because you left set four on the table, twenty one seventeen on Friday. Okay. And it's not Russia's A team. Okay. So I'm gonna go B plus. Offsetter situation's got to get cleaned up. Meaning they set the ball like outside the antenna. They all over the place. Mm-hmm. Just put the ball up inside the antennas yeah. and let us, let the hitters go get it. You know. Some of the defense. I was impressed with the defense overall with the yep. young guys. Yep. But some of the blocking has to be cleaned up. And the serving the first night sucked. They had 25 service errors, whatever it was. Five aces, 25 errors. That's unacceptable. And at one point, they had three aces, six errors. So that gives you some idea of what happened. That's, yeah, that's not good. New. So they got to clean that up. But I give them a B plus. Nicely done. And more importantly, they're 4-0. That's what you want. United States men are 4-0. And then they're off to... Chicago. Yep. This weekend. University of Illinois, Chicago. Is that right? This weekend? Yep. Serbia upcoming. Now, mentioned Iran earlier. All they did was beat Brazil in Brazil. So that gives you some idea. Who do they play the second week while they're in the Chicago area? Bulgaria. Bulgaria. So look for it's going to be a couple of away matches. Yes, again. Last time it was 3,000 Bulgarian fans in the Sears Center. So right now, if you look at their pool, Serbia is 4-0. It's going to be the battle of undefeated yep. this week. United States 4-0. Bulgaria and Russia 0-4. Russia 0-4. They're tra- I feel like they're trying new things out. And do they? I have some people I talked to over this weekend who say they may not care as much about World League as they do about other World Championships. Correct. World Championships is where it's at. Italy 6-0. Brazil two and four, Iran one and three, Poland one and three. But Iran has <laughs> given some people some runs. Cardhoff is talking about how the FIVB officials need to relax about him being on the court. It's good for the event. Oh, the guy was seething. Not harmful. Think it through. <laughs> I was watching that. <laughs> By the way, that FIVB official was an idiot. Uh, I didn't. The I most didn't, self-important. I didn't see. I, oh. I was paying no attention to the officials. I was just watching Matt do his thing on the court. No, you wouldn't even know where he is. He sits over by us. Oh, gotcha. He's the guy who just sits at a table, and he was complaining that people were walking behind him in the stands because we had a big section cordoned off. Yeah, yeah And yeah, occasionally yeah. I would walk over there to yeah. go somewhere. He didn't want people walking behind him. Come on, guy. You're pathetic. Does he not go? You're a stuffed suit. Shut your mouth. Does he not go to other events in other countries where it's yeah. even ten times more raging? Oh, he does. And he's sitting there, and he was complaining that, that Sunderland was talking to the replay official before the match started. He didn't like that they were talking down there. 
He didn't like that, that there were too many people walking back and forth in front. I could see him. I watched Gardhoff when he was moonwalking yeah. and dancing when the U.S. was in a – when it was a they side were coming change. Back out of came, he was on the U.S. side. Yeah. And you could, I looked at the guy, and I looked at Gardhoff, and I looked back at the guy. That guy was just seething. Like steam's coming off his head. The horns were coming out. That guy needs to be put on the, the U.S. traveler list. All right, he needs to be banned from coming to the U.S. again. Because so he was funny. an idiot. He was everything that's wrong with the FIVB right there. He was encapsulating the whole thing. <laughs> all the protocol, all the stuffiness, yeah. all the complaints and the high-minded crap. That was him. Can we talk about how Matt has his own section? His, yeah, like, it's, like, like the whole end. Like his end own, like there's nobody, it's like taped off. Nobody's sitting in there. It's his own section. <laughs> That's maybe what the FIVB official was upset about. That Matt had that his own section. That section was bigger than his than section. his section. Uh, I also, uh, I think Matt, I don't know where I saw it this morning, but um, somebody overheard the security guard saying to Matt that they were concerned about the size of his pole. Right. I saw that. <laughs> and Matt said he gets that all the time. Right. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love it. Man. I'm sitting in section MG. Hashtag suck it. <laughs> yeah. And Rob, Rob on the mic says uh, even the Russians applauded the U.S. fans afterwards. Um, I would like to give Rob a hug because I don't know if you noticed on Friday, Kevin, but there were some audio issues. Were you there Friday? I was not, but I heard. Oh, yeah. I not did only, hear from Rob. Not only were there audio issues on Friday, but when Rob came up to me in the DJ booth at the barbecue on Saturday, my audio immediately went out as well. So I don't want to say it was his fault, but... Uh, so so Rob on the mic is kind of like an EMP bomb? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something about, like... The other part, too, was Nicole was coming over to say hello, and then she uh, kicked the plug and turned my power off as well. Nicole, knowing the protocol to being with a DJ, knowing all the things she should and should not do. She knows that she should not trip over the... Is uh, it her fault for tripping on it or your fault for sticking it out there? Uh, I did not set... The only thing I set up was my decks and my computer. Everything else was uh, okay. done for me. All right. So don't have it turn into a, a spat. Yeah. Uh, Matt, says we also need to make sure we thank Lauren Schoner. From USAV. From USAV Foundation. Uh, she... She was a huge part of this. And huge I, part of this. And Matt, fear not, I mentioned her in my recap for Volleyball Mag that I believe is up now, according to my Twitter feed. Okay. So read it. We'll get it on the Facebook page. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Lauren did a ton, and the USA Volleyball Foundation getting behind it. Thanks to Tim McCune of USAV Foundation for getting behind it and supporting Matt and his efforts. All that stuff's good. Rob the Mike is now known as DJ EMP. He will be <laughs> traveling with me now to all of my events. <laughs> all of your events that aren't going to go well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. At least I have somebody else to blame. DJ R and DJ EMP. Yeah, everybody's cell phones go out, lights go out. Speaking of lights going out, why did you turn the lights out in the pyramid while the guys were doing a signing? Not you personally, Kevin. <laughs> I was already out, but I was out the door when that happened. By the way, I was walking out. I was like, I was out in a hurry on Friday. I was like, oh, so I guess it's time for us to leave. And as I'm leaving, I'm like, these guys are still signing. It's and they attempted to turn the lights back on, but those kind of lights, once they go off, they take forever to warm back up to come back on. Every event I go to, and I'll, particularly Supercross, because I go to a lot more of those. Duh, rink every week after week. Have the in-house security people. Yeah. And about three times a year, some security guy attempts to tell me that I can't go somewhere at the event. 
Because they're doing their... They, yeah. I have an all-access. No, no, I'm with you. It says all. The guy's like, you can't go on the track. I'm like, it says all. all. I can go anywhere. If yeah. I want to wear your jacket, I can wear your jacket. You should hand it to me right now because it says all. <laughs> fact, so I'm now the, you. Matter of fact, give me the keys to your car. Yeah. I have to run an errand. I'm like the Matrix. I can now morph into you. Look, I'm you. What are you going to do now? I'm going to walk on the track. I have an all badge. Yeah. Same thing here. They start, oh, we got to go. we got to shut down. we got to get home. All these guys are thinking about is getting home and, you know, getting to the 40 or the party that they're missing aren't or they, whatever. Aren't they getting paid hourly? I don't think so. They get probably paid per event. I don't know, though. No. Well, then so no they're, all they, they want is people the out. Thing. That's all they want is people out. Get out of here, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. The match ended 3-0. They, I, they I were know. getting out earlier than the I night know. before. I know. It's, it's, there's always those guys, though. It's always, there's always somebody like that. No, I tr- oh, trust me. I'm well aware of security staff at a lot of events. Yeah, they're insane. And they're just trying to do their job. But and some get, people yeah. get a little, uh, they're very excited about their job. Yeah. And they didn't read the piece of paper that was handed to them that says, all goes anywhere. Yeah. They just wanted to get home early on Friday. I mean, right. Saturday. Yeah, whatever day. Oh, whoops, I turned the lights off. Sorry, everybody. Time to go. Hey, uh, you're listening to our podcast here on iTunes, and I appreciate it. I have a iTunes podcast recommendation for you. Ooh, nice. Started listening to The Nerdist. What? Yep. Okay. Started listening to The Nerdist. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you ought to listen to this one. It's with Tom Hanks. Nerdist Podcast number 265. It was October 8th, 2012. If you're at all a Tom Hanks fan or just listen to a bunch of podcasts, this podcast is particularly funny. This is with the former host of Remote Control, mm-hmm. the current host of Talking Dead. Okay. Yeah? Do you, can we yeah. play trivia here? Do you know? No. I have no, no clue. No? No. Chris Hardwick. Okay. Chris Hardwick, and he, he developed a site called The Nerdist, and I'm kind of a nerd that happened to be good at sports. So it's, uh, it's a fun site to read. Actually, a good volleyball connection. A very good volleyball connection. Adam Reimer, formerly on the USAV board, actually just left his tenure on the USAV board, is uh, over there at Nerdist. And I started listening to their podcast, and there's some other good ones as well with different celebrities. But the one with Tom Hanks is particularly funny. It's up there on iTunes. For free, episode 265, October 8th, 2012. Really, really hilarious. I'm more of a Tom Hanks fan now Okay. after that podcast. So if you're at all, that's your outside of volleyball recommendation for the day. Nice. I've also been watching, and people in this program may know, that I really like post-apocalyptic thrillers for some reason. I like The Walking Dead. I like Falling Skies, movies about the apocalypse. I generally will watch it, even if it's kind of suspect. I'll yeah. still watch it. Yep. I went back and watched Oblivion. Okay. Tom Cruise movie. Yep. It's been on HBO a lot lately. And that's why. HBO Go is my new favorite thing. Okay. I have HBO. Especially while traveling. Never bought HBO till now. Always like, oh, HBO. Because it used to be like 25 or 30 bucks a month, right? It's and still, your cable ex- bill was only 50 It's expensive. But no, it's like such... 12 bucks a month. Nah, that's true. My, my and cable, my cable bill is 100 expensive. <laughs> But that's my point. Is it used to be twenty five or thirty, yeah, 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 yeah. and it was like half again of your cable bill, right? Proportionally, such, and they have such good programming. Now, it's like twelve or thirteen bucks, and my cable bill is already a hundred. So who cares? It's ten percent. Yeah. And yes, their programming is incredible. Boardwalk yeah. Empire, True Detectives, Game of Thrones, which is what finally got me in. <sighs> have the dragons started wrecking shop yet? I didn't watch last night yet. I, I'm not going to say a word to you, oh, Kevin. 
It's the only so, reason I'm still watching. So HBO Go is my favorite thing. And Jeremy, just to your comment for traveling, yeah. why can't I download something? Why can't I download yeah. it and start it and watch it within however many hours? Yeah, let yeah. me travel with it, HBO. Yeah, as opposed to needing Wi-Fi and stuff. Yeah, let me travel with it. But it's an awesome thing. And definitely, this is a boon for the hotels because I will be paying for the hotel premium Wi-Fi upgrade so I can stream my HBO Go. Uh, first of all, a hotel should not be charging for Wi-Fi. No, they shouldn't. Just add it to either my room charge already. Don't make it an additional right. charge. That right. really, you know what's, let me go off. Here yes. Again. When I say like a Motel 6, which is not that often, but it has happened. Mm-hmm. Not my choice, but it mm-hmm. has happened. And or some Ramada, whatever. You know, Comfort 8. Whatever. <laughs> they have free Wi-Fi. The Drury Inn. When I'm at like a resort. Red rooftop. Whatever that I'm already paying a $20 a day resort fee plus a $5 a day water fee Vegas. plus a $6 a day just thanks for being here fee. Don't touch those M&Ms. They're 10 bucks. Yeah. Like I'm paying all those fees and then you're going to charge me for Wi-Fi as well? Yep. At $15 plus a day? Yep. For a 24-hour oh, period. Oh, my God. No, Kevin. Yes. No. Yes. My complaint, I'm with you. 100%. No hotel should be charging me for Wi-Fi. Put Wi-Fi in there. Not that much. They're going to make that money back within a month. Yes. And then it is, there's not costing them anything to give it to every single room in the hotel. Correct. Nothing. Because they already have it. The hotel already has it. They need it for their staff. Here's the thing they also should have. High speed. Because some of these hotels you go to, the Wi-Fi is barely usable for email. Because they have one router downstairs in the basement for the entire hotel. (laughs) What what freaking year is this? (laughs) Uh, There are some hotels where it's just... Like, I, there's just the wire to plug in. They don't even have Wi-Fi. If they want at least they have to, something. If they want to have free Wi-Fi, and yeah. they always go, oh, it's free in the lobby. Why? So I sit in your freaking lobby? Okay, yeah. So if they have free Wi-Fi, cool. If you want to charge for premium so I can stream things, fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. The effect is I never turn on my TV. Today, you could almost, if you're a hotel, you could get rid of your cable bill. And just have streaming. Have high-speed internet and let people stream. I know it's not going to work entirely, but that day is coming. Somebody said it went from one cable into your house or one entry point into your house, right? Which yeah. was radio. Yep. It went to two. Cable. TV. Oh, TV. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Then that two for TV, that became essentially one, right? For 80% of households, it's cable, right? Correct. Now it's cable. Now we have internet and cable. That's two. Now that's going to merge back to one. You're just going to have internet. Eventually. Correct. It's all, yeah. Well, now... It's all merging back to to With your phone and all that stuff, it's all one line at this point anyways. But I don't have a house phone anymore because I don't need one. Right. But they still bundle that. But that's eventually going to go away too. Right. Yeah. But the internet, you will only buy one service, is what I'm saying. You will not buy cable service. You will buy internet. On, on the net? We're going to have to get on the net? On the net. Yeah. On but, the line. Get on the but line. But that's what will happen. So, yeah. yeah, premium Wi-Fi, okay, fine. I will be paying for it just to run HBO Go. Yeah. But regular Wi-Fi, don't you dare charge me. It's idiotic. Hotels. It so, bothers me. So idiotic. All right, let's take a break here. Fine. We have Craig Thompson of MindSpring Sports coming up next. He's going to give us info on the USA Cup. Nice. Men's and women's. And if you remember last year, the women sold out arenas last year playing against Japan. You and I were there. 
at Long Beach. Yep. Another good event at Long Beach. Oh, you know, I think I totally lied in my uh, my recap for the from the barbecue. I think I said I haven't seen the women play in person yet, but I have. You I have totally forgot that one time. I totally. You and I sat together. I know. I totally forgot. I saw that. I apologize to Megan at Volleyball Magazine and everybody else that I have led. Anyone else who I may have? Everybody else that I may have led astray in my post today. Man, Megan, I am completely sorry. Maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe thanks, Kevin. You way to rat me out on air. <laughs> maybe I totally wrote that I hadn't seen him yet. Maybe next time you and I should talk before you go out write one of these articles. Man, I apologize. Maybe I should proofread your documents, Jeremy. You need an editor. No, I do. Nicole was my editor. Or there are times where I, she doesn't have time to read it, and I send it to Megan at Volleyball Magazine. Like, I'm sorry I wrote this on the plane last night at midnight. Please correct all my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what editors are for. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Megan. Oh, she's even on the chat board, too. I apologize. Oh. I totally lied, Kevin. Bad Jeremy. There it is. Yeah, I totally lied. You did lie. lie. Bad Jeremy. Now, do I need to write a blog post? Um... What do you like? A retraction. Yeah. Do I need to write a retraction? <laughs> and a, a, I need to a, I need to call Karch and apologize. Definitely. I need to call Jordan Larson and apologize to her. Yeah. And then write a letter to Sean Manzi's girlfriend Nicole Davis and apologize <laughs> to her that I forgot that I've seen them in person. I'm not. I'm not sure what's happened with that uh, that court case yet with Manzi and Davis. Oh man. All right. Let's go to some music. We'll be right back with Craig Thompson. My really, spring sports. Really bummed that I lied right now. All right. Jeremy's on suicide watch. Yeah. <laughs>
Thanks for being here on the net live. You're getting us via iTunes. Good for you. It's zero dollars via iTunes. You can download us and Free? listen in the car because that's a lot of fun. I like listening in the car. I get mad when I run out of podcasts. You can also listen to us on demand anytime in front of your computer. If you have access to a computer, you can go to Volleyball Magazine and to their website, bbmag.com. Is that what it is? BBMag. No. Volleyballmag.com. Volleyballmag. That's what forward it slash the NetLive. The NetLive. You can yep. go there and you can use the streaming player and listen to our program or any, any one of our previous programs. You can find it and we have an archive of lots of interviews, not just us talking about how we don't like hotel Wi-Fi, but also lots or of great how interviews. women in Italy after 40 years old aren't that attractive anymore. It's weird. And, and by and large, I know you're gonna you're gonna send me some pictures of some hot Italian ladies over 40. I understand. Yeah, good. But I'm saying by and large, when you walk around, it is confusing what happens between 30 and 40. I don't understand. Maybe they've locked up a man and they're good to go from that point. Maybe. But saying, I mean, a house not... coat and clogs is not good for anybody. That's just not good. Don't know what to tell you. And don't chop all your hair off and perm it until you're like 70 when it's not growing anymore. You know, that's fine, but don't make it blue when you're 42. No blue at 42. That's no. my new <laughs> shirt campaign. No blue at 42. <laughs> you're on notice, Italy. That's great. No blue at 42. All right. We're going full music? Yeah. Wow. Why not? Hope you have some. I like it when people come in from outside of volleyball and start applying their talents to the sport of volleyball. Our next guest has incredible experience with soccer. That's right, soccer. It's not big in the United States, but the rest of the world loves it, people. With the World Cup just about to get underway, good that we get a chance to talk to somebody who has some experience in that arena who is now bringing his talents to bear on the USA Volleyball and the promotion of the national teams. His company, MindSpring Sport, is responsible for promoting the USA Cup in its second year of existence. Last year was a huge success with the women playing against Japan all over Southern California to sold-out stadiums. And this year, he has the USA women facing off with Brazil, number one and number two in the world, and USA versus Iran. And I just covered Iran. That is going to be a good matchup in early August for the men. The women play in July. So we just finished up World League domestically here in Southern California. Time to get the SoCal population pumped up once again for another event. Please welcome to the NetLive for the first time, Craig Thompson. Craig. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time out of what I'm sure is a busy schedule to come and talk to us. And I mentioned some of your soccer background, and people have mentioned it to me before. Give us a little more detail on kind of where you come from and your background in sports marketing. Well, I grew up here in Southern California, uh, lived in Newport Beach. I played volleyball at UCLA, actually. Um, played on the beach for 10 years. Uh, I got an opportunity to go over to, to, to Europe to work for the FIVB, where I was a technical director for a year. This was way back in 1986. Um, but I stayed in Europe after I left the FIVB, and I got into sports marketing. And we were lucky enough to... Um, to start a big soccer project over there called Champions League. It's, a, it's the largest European professional soccer league. All the big teams playing it, like Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid. And I was the managing director there for 11 years, uh, up until 2003. And um, I subsequently uh, left there but stayed in Europe until about um, 
2010, I came back here and did a little stint as CEO of the America's Cup up in San Francisco, and more recently, um, and now working as a marketing agency for USA Volleyball. Very good. Now, you lived in Europe for a long time. How many languages do you speak at this point? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. Oh! Uh, I... <laughs> No, I, you know, all, uh, almost all the, the the business I did over there, people speak English. Um, I was working and traveling all the time, and wherever we didn't have an English speaker, we always had interpreters working with us. And um, my language skills are not the best. <laughs> At least you're honest about it. <laughs> all right, so tell me how you guys got involved with USA Volleyball. Well, um, after I left the America's Cup in twenty, uh, in just in the, at the end of twenty eleven, um, I had I had some mutual friends that knew Karch Karai, and they put us together. We went and had lunch together one day, and um, I of course knew who he was, but we had we didn't really have a relationship at all, and um, we had a really interesting talk. And during that discussion, um, uh, you know, Karch, in addition to being the you know the amazing player that he was. I learned during that discussion that he had a real vision for, for, the, for the development and growth uh, of, of the sport of volleyball. And I was intrigued by that because being a player myself, I, I, I have a love for the game. And um, I, um, I was very um, inspired by what he had to say about how he thought the game could grow and how they needed a marketing partner, you know, to, to help make that happen. And so um, we carried on that discussion and got um, – got an idea about how we might be able to work together. And I then went to talk to Doug and Kerry in Colorado Springs at USA Volleyball, and we ended up signing a contract to represent uh, the USA marketing for all of their properties, Junior Nationals Beach, uh, Indoor. Um, and so now we're the exclusive marketing agency of USA Volleyball. Very good. It's nice to have somebody on board and doing that and taking on that aspect of things. I think for a long time, the national governing body has been tasked with this, and they're not really, they have so many other tasks, they're not really a promotion company. Uh, what have your discussions with them been like? How open are they to your ideas? How much have you learned from them as far as the history of what they have done and failed at or had success with? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question, and there's been an interesting background there. Um, you know, they are the national governing body of the sport, and um, like all other um, what I call Olympic sports in, in America, you know, gymnastics and swimming, and they all have limited budgets and, and limited staff, and they have huge responsibilities, you know, to grow the sport and to, um, you know, to work with, uh, you know, all kinds of populations um, running events, and, and they, they have a huge amount on their plate, and um, they do a great job with a lot of that stuff. And the marketing discipline is, is one where, you know, you really need – skilled professionals that have had experience and contacts for finding sponsors and have worked with television broadcasters and, you know, understand how to run and create events. And um, they've had a marketing department at USA Volleyball, but it's been, it's been a, a re relatively small staff. Um, and they've done, a, they've done a good job of getting sponsors on board that are in the, in the volleyball community, the Moltons and, and Mizunos of the world. Um, it's, it's a lot harder and takes a lot more effort, you know, to get kind of major consumer brands, you know, associated with the sport. So they were very uh, open to, to um, engage with us and to, to bring on a marketing partner with, you know, some resources and experience to help them to do this. And now we have a, we've got a great communication. They're very open to what we're doing. 
Um, in fact, one of the first things we did was create this USA Volleyball Cup uh, together with them. Um, they had done these kind of uh, you know events in the past, of course, but we came with a with an approach. We got a new brand and logo. We started you know promoting these events and got lucky with Japan coming in the first year. And you know with our efforts, uh, we were able to sell out those three matches. So it's a it's a good relationship where they're relying on our expertise to do what we do, and, and we have good communication back and forth. So. I think there's a lot that we can accomplish. What do you think volleyball has to offer for the non-endemic sponsor? Um, uh, that's the question that we've asked ourselves since the, the day we started. Um, interestingly, the, um, there's about a half a million girls that play volleyball in this country between the ages of, say, 13 and 19 years old that are, you know, uh, 300,000 of them or almost that many are registered with USA Volleyball. I mean, this is a sizable um, uh, niche market that uh, companies like Revlon, L'Oreal, um, you know, women's fashion brand, um, uh, Roxy and, and companies like that are going to want to get in touch with uh, to, um, to sell products and services. And there's a, there's a big market there, uh, you know, for that. There's also, of course, the general you know, population of volleyball players that is huge in this country. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of those people are not members of USA Volleyball after they stop you know, playing, and so it's difficult to reach them you know, through, through a membership um, link. But um, you know, there's, there's 10, 15 million people that, have, that, that love the sport, that have played the sport, that have coached the sport, that are all over this country, that would love to get involved, that would love to be part of... of of growing the game, you know, if we can connect them. And so that's, that's our big task. Yeah, it's a big task indeed. And uh, I'm sure later in the show, I'll go on another rant about volleyball people and their apathy toward their own sport and some of the things that I've experienced with them. It certainly is a challenge. And I don't know, in the, vo- in the modern marketplace, volleyball has a lot of competition, as do other sports, for attention how do you convert people from simple participation to fandom? What makes someone want to be a fan of something, maybe not just of volleyball, but your experience with everything else? How do you draw a fan in and get them to participate as a fan on a more regular basis? That, that's exactly what we're trying to do here, and, and that's why we started the USA Volleyball Cup. There's been a lack of, of, of events in America um, that are you know, really well-promoted, televised, I mean, USA Volleyball has done a great job with the World League and getting, getting that going here, so that's one significant event that takes place every year. But other than that, there hasn't been a real showcase for our national teams to play you know, top teams from around the world. So the USA Volleyball Cup is focused on that. So you know, like last year we had Japan, this year we've got Brazil and Iran coming in, Iran a, a, an emerging power that you know, is doing better and better all the time. Um, and so, you know, if people have events to follow, I mean, you know, look at the NBA, look at the, look at the NFL, look at uh, any major sport. I mean, they have, they have multiple events every week. Our, our women's national team, you know, hadn't played a major, um, a major opponent in America for several years uh, before we did the USA-Japan. So we all want to create more meaningful events, promote them well, Get that crowd out. You know, you, you guys know when, when you get a full arena watching a volleyball match, the atmosphere becomes electric, and, and it just kind of takes on a life of its own. It's, it's fantastic sport. I can say that from a long, many years of working in sport. The volleyball product, when it's in front of a full arena crowd, is fantastic. 
it, it's, it's great sport. So we just we got to create more events, and we've got to we've got to get people out to watch them, and then they will become fans. They and we'll will attract new fans, and this will spread, and more people that are apathetic with the sport right now will start getting back involved. I mean, we're we're going to see a change in this sport now. We're going to see it start to to, to grow and, and start to achieve its its real potential in this country. Yeah, consistency of delivery has been an issue, and there are so many things associated with getting teams into the United States, getting time in the international schedule. That is a, a tough puzzle to put together to consistently deliver international volleyball in the United States. But you guys have done a nice job with the first two years. Of course, Japan, bronze medalists, and now you have Brazil coming in this year. How much does does the success of 2013 translate into 2014? What did you really learn last year that you've tried to apply this year? Well, you know, we, we got out to that, to the junior volleyball community really heavily. And we found out that um, with a few things that we're doing to what we call give back to the junior community, we've got a really nice program of things that the national teams, you know, Karch Karai and John Spraw have been fantastic about, you know, asking their players to make appearances. We've, we're running free coaches programs for kids to, to enter and, and win a, a coaching session. We've got we're supporting the Starlings volleyball program. So we're we're doing a lot of things to give back to the to the community. And in return, the community has been fantastic. They these club directors and coaches are getting the word out to their players, their parents, and that's why last year we sold out three matches and. You know, people were coming to the door saying, I want to buy a ticket. And we said, we're really sorry, but we're sold out. And they couldn't believe it. I love it. Um, and, and so we're getting the message out this year, hey, matches were sold out year, last year. Get your tickets early. Um, and that's a, that's a great message for us to be able to, to deliver. Um, that's going to lead us to, you know, to bringing more sponsors into the game. Um, we're looking to, to sort of reorient the sponsors that um, we're looking for a younger, more um, – lifestyle-oriented group of sponsors that, that are going to start to help promote the sport and make it cool and fun more than it currently is. You know, we need, we need the brands that are, you know, the, the Oakleys, the Quicksilvers, the, the Red Bulls, you know, that are out there, you know, um, really communicating with a younger audience and making sports, you know, fast and fun and cool. And so we're looking after those brands. We luckily just got Kona Red on board, which is a Hawaiian coffee fruit beverage, which is into surfing really bigly big, and now they've just got into volleyball. Um, so we're really focused on those kind of brands to, to make the sport younger and more fun and, you know, give it some more sex appeal. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to get some of those brands in here that spend money because the volleyball brands, they don't spend a ton of money. And I spent a lot of time in the Supercross area where companies are spending money over and over again, and you see it and you see commerce being done. I don't see enough commerce happening at volleyball events. I don't know how you get more commerce to happen at a volleyball event. That's your guys' job to figure out and, and sell, I guess, to Tona Red and to Red Bull and some of those other companies. Well, you know, Kona Red's at all. We have these red, what we call red-blue matches. You've probably heard of those in Southern California. Here. Kona Red's out at every one. They're sampling their product. They're, they've got banners in the gym. I mean, we're, we're starting with that company. They're, they're putting all of our stuff on their social media. Um, and it just it takes time and, and hard work and, and effort. But we're showing, I mean, Kona Red is thrilled right now with their sponsorship of, of volleyball, and we're actively supporting them. And, and we want to do more, you know, for Mizuno and Moulton and, and Liberty Mutual and Hilton Hotels. We want to do more with them to, um, to get them more involved as well because they've been great partners of the sport. But 
we need to give them more and more opportunities to, to get involved, to, to sell their products, to get their message across. It's just hard work. We had, we had four sponsors in Europe for our Champions League soccer project. We had Ford, MasterCard, Adidas, and um, Heineken. Um, they started in 1992, um, and we worked really hard to make those companies happy. And, you know, it's, it's been 22 years now, and all, all of those companies are still involved with Champions League soccer and they, they spend $75 million a year each to be involved. So with hard work and dedication and, and building a relationship, um, it can happen, and that's what, we're, that's what we're all about. Yeah, Champions League is a big deal for those in the United States that don't know. Champions League is uh, an incredibly huge deal over in Europe, certainly a big part of my uh, viewing of television when I spent time living over there in Europe. Craig, uh, thanks very much for the time today. Before we let you go, where do folks need to go to get tickets for USA Cup matches and give them the dates that they're going to uh, want to be available and where they want to go? Okay. Um, the, the ticket site is USA Volleyball, so usavolleyballcup.com. Uh, we've got Brazil coming in July 5th and 6th, um, and then again on the 11th and 12th. The 5th and 6th, the 5th is at UC Irvine Bren Center. Uh, on the 6th, it's at USC Galen Center. Uh, and then we go over to Hawaii for two matches uh, on the 11th and 12th, Friday and Saturday, the 11th and 12th. And then um, Iran comes in on the 9th of August. The first match is again at the Galen Center. Uh, we then play at Anaheim Convention Center on the 13th of August. That's a Wednesday night. We go to UC, uh, San Diego State University, uh, which is um, uh, on the Friday, the 15th. And then we come to UCLA's Poly Pavilion on August 16th. These are big venues, 10,000, 12,000 seat venues. Um, it's going to be really exciting. So we're, we're, we're ramping it up a little bit this year. All right, Craig, uh, just so you know, the NetLive is available for July 11th and 12th in the Stan Sheriff Center. Uh, we could definitely do a broadcast from there. We're just going to need a sponsor. That's all. <laughs> Let's work on that. We've got to get you guys over there. And, yeah. and what about the other matches in Southern California? We'd love to have you guys involved and you know, you're doing a, you're doing a great job. You know, communicating uh, about the sport and bringing. I, I I've listened to some of your broadcasts, and um, you know, it's it's fantastic what you guys are doing. You're connecting the sport with the players, with the fans, and you know, we need a lot more of that. So, congratulations on what you're doing. Hey, awesome! Thanks, Craig, and, and thanks for your time today. We certainly appreciate you spending time with us. You know, you have a lot of things going, not only with volleyball but with other stuff. And taking time out of your schedule to be with us is a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Good luck, guys. All right, thanks, Craig Thompson, checking out from uh, MindSpring Sport. Now, they have a lot going on. You, you listen to his, his uh, bio there, FIVB Technical Director. God, we could have talked to him about the oh, football yeah, back the then. Man, we'll beat him up next time. <laughs> uh, Champions League, Managing Director till 2003 Champions League. It's a huge deal over there, huge deal. I don't know if it's as big as Formula One, but it's close. And then America's Cup, of course, America's Cup. And I want to ask him another time about the redesign of the ships because they redesigned the boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if that was, uh, that was under his tenure. But I like when he said it takes a lot of hard work and planning. Yeah, follow-up. Like, yeah. Dedication. That's, you could put that, apply that to a lot of things in life, but event planning, putting on things like that, I mean, it's a ton of work behind the scenes. Yeah. A ton. No, a ton. Yep. Matt Gardoff knows well. No doubt. As well as Lauren Schoener. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, really like, I really like what they're trying to do. Now, John Wiegland's posts, Wiegland's posts on old school volleyball. I'm not sure I like the number of posts that John has put up, but. I haven't seen him, but. 
I, well, you, you don't get notifications every time somebody posts an old school volleyball. I got to turn that notification off. No, I don't because it was I killing me. Yeah. <laughs> killing me. I don't me. think I'm part of that group, so it's okay. Man, man, it was killing me. Just so many. Just can't, I can only take so many. But the community, th- this community is tough. Jeff Stork. Yeah. Friday night. Yep. At the pyramid. At the pyramid. Hey, Jeff. This, that, that. Olympian, gold medalist. Yep. Two sons, setters in college, just finished up. Hey, the kids coming? No, no, they 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 got a they got practice. Like practice? Are they on a B team or something? What do they, what do they have going? No, they're coaching club. Why aren't the club kids here? Yeah, take a day off. They they're going to practice. They're going to learn a lot less in practice than they'd learn sitting here. Yeah, he says I know, and his wife right there, uh, his lovely wife saying, Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> Why aren't they here? Oh, it'd be nice if they played closer. It's a big journey from the valley. Like. If you took off right after school, you could be here. Yeah. Or it's just too much for the volleyball community. It's just too much. It's well, too, you mean? No, don't. Do you mean I have to get in a car and drive to this thing? Can't they play at Northridge where it's like 20 minutes from my, my house? Well, you realize this past Saturday, too, there was all kinds of club tournaments going on. There were... Um, there's always something. But that's what I'm saying. Like there's, in the volleyball world, it's, always, it's a weekend thing. I know. You know. No, I, I mean, I, I understand that it's tough, but it is. Like, if it's a practice. Practice. We're talking about practice. You want to know what your practice is today? We're talking about practice. Coming to watch the best that our country has to offer live and in person. That's, what, that's what your practice is today. Practice. Yeah. Watch, I, would, I would like practice. you to watch Matt Anderson do his jump float serve that nobody else can do, and I want you to practice that and practice Get exposed on Monday. Get ex- getting exposed to what's possible, of course, is worth more than the fifty high balls the kid's going to hit over an hour and a half 100%. in the gym up in uh, Topanga Canyon. For sure. Period. I hate you, volleyball. <laughs> but I love you so much at the same time. I hate you. I hate. <laughs> I hate that attitude. Uh, congrats to uh, Corey Glaive, who spent ten hours in the gym yesterday at the club, but still made it to the match on Saturday. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Corey. Yep. Give you the Iron Man Award. Usually weekends are not good for me, but I made it to the match. Here's something else. My wife brought this up. She said, I, I heard an air horn once. At the arena? At the event. Okay. She said, I don't think I heard it again. Is that illegal? Now, I don't know if somebody blew it off and then you had the the fantastic, <laughs> fantastic security personnel of the Long Beach Pyramid and Walter Pyramid, yeah. who also turned the lights out later, coming yeah. over and confiscating said air horn. I'm not sure. Or maybe that was the last burst that that air horn had. Actually, I am sure. Those people have never, ever been to a European event. Correct. Soccer. Correct. Volleyball, basketball, anything. I encourage the managers, the folks who run the Pyramid, the Galen Center, Pauley Pavilion, Stan Sheriff Center, anyone, anywhere where volleyball is going to be played against a foreign national team, I encourage you, if I had the funds from the Net Live, I would fund a trip for those individuals to go and watch a match in Poland, to go and watch a soccer match in Italy where they lit the freaking field on fire. <laughs> Before the match started, before the soccer started, yeah. did they throw the fans out? No, they said, hey, don't put the road flare on 
the field? Did they grab them and tackle them like the Manhattan Beach police would do if some kid did a backflip off the stairs and during the six-man and tackle him like he's got a bomb? No. No. Don't put the road flare on the field. Please. Keep the road flare in your hand, please. Please don't put the road flare on the pitch. Have you been to the club matches where they have not an air horn? No. No air horn. They have a box. Five horns in it. And it's a, like a music box where they crank it, nice. and each horn, as the air is packed in from the crank, goes... That's hilarious. And you have five different tones as loud as the single air horn. Please, go to Europe. Go see a sporting event. See how they cheer. The drums, the trumpets, the vuvuzelas, all that stuff. And get the stick out of your butt and let people make some noise. I like the cowbells. I like the little clickers that they cowboys had. Were, cowboys. Cowbells were in each uh, giveaway bag if you came to the uh, barbecue. What if there were cowboys in each bag? That would have been hilarious. Women would have been excited. Yeah. Hello. Uh, no, but it's okay. More noise. More noise. Yeah, please. The The team wants it, too. Yes. And look, let me explain something to you about volleyball fans compared to maybe other fans. They're a little bit more respectful. They're not going to do anything foolish and stupid. Are they still watching beach like they're watching tennis? Yes. Uh, uh. Some of that has to do when it's 90 degrees outside and you're baking in the sun, you only have so much energy. Fans might cramp up. They that's, might have full body cramps. That's you have what I'm fans saying. You, only have, you can only ask the crowd to rage for so long when it's 90 degrees with humidity. And when there's not enough going on either. Well, it's also, too, like they're not at AVP events. We don't have the USA versus another country. If that was the case, yeah, the flag fans would more. be losing their minds a little bit more. Right. Like, I get it. I totally understand. Yeah. My point is, noisemakers, yes. Yeah. Yes. Capital letters, exclamation points, yes. Yeah. And don't worry about the size of Matt Garhoff's pole when he comes into the arena. No. Just let George Washington pass. Yeah. No one was stopping him as he crossed the Delaware saying, your boat's too big. He put on here, the security guard, quote, unquote, are you with USA Volleyball or just a fan? Garthoff, I'm the father of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Yeah, come on. Again, this is not the NBA. This is not the NBA. No, no, no. You don't need to, yeah, correct. NBA is not going to have, first of all, but they don't need it. It's easier to run onto an NBA floor than it would have been to run onto the pyramid floor the other night. Fans are two inches away from the court. Yeah. If they wanted to run on the court, no security guards are going to stop them. They're walking on the court to get to their seat. Exactly. Yeah. The security guard wouldn't let Karch go out the go out the bottom floor exit. They made him walk up the stairs and go out. I'm like, do you know who Karch is? Oh, I just I saw it from I saw it from a distance. Really? I was like, that's Karch Karach. Because I just unhooked the thing and brought my family through. I was like, eh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I had an ID though, and Karch didn't have an ID of any. Kind. No, that's still Karch Karach. And I get it. Like security guards, hey. security guards doing their job. I understand. Hey. But it comes from the top management of the security guards to tell them, like, look, here is how it's going to go. Do they have pictures of dignitaries? No, but you're just like... Him, he's just some guy there. It's Karch, bro. He's just some guy, the security guard. It's Karch. If it were... Sorry, Karch. If it were Phil Dalhauser, they didn't let him on, or they let him on because they knew who he was, that would be a win for the sport. If yes. it were Carrie, and they let Carrie on because they knew who she was, that would be a win for the sport. Them not knowing who Karch no, is? No, I, I get it. I, 
That's fine. a security guard. Yeah, yeah. Still car stuff. It's true. Um, I don't know why I said, um, I hate that, and I said it right there. <sighs> I was going somewhere before we got sidetracked about the post-apocalyptic thrillers. <laughs> Could we get some volleyball? Because I just, I just rewatched Oblivion in preparation to see Groundhog Day plus science fiction. That's exactly what that movie is. Yeah. In Groundhog Day to see, or pardon me, in preparation to see the upcoming film, Edge of Tomorrow, which mm-hmm. I will see tonight or Wednesday. Oh, nice. Before I go to Chicago. Nice. I watched Oblivion, mm-hmm. which I'd seen in the theater before. I actually liked it more the second time. Tom Cruise sci-fi film, post-apocalyptic vision of the world after being invaded by aliens. Mm-hmm. They make a football reference. He wears a Yankees baseball cap. Mm-hmm. There's no reference to volleyball. I was wondering, can we, can we get volleyball in there? Can we get it into a post-apocalyptic scene? I'm not sure you can because the, the equipment is a problem. You think about a post-apocalyptic world, what are you, you have still them? have a soccer ball. Yeah, but what are you going to have them, like, peppering on the battleship? Yeah, I know. What do you, that's what I mean. What are you yeah. going to do? Like it's a football they can throw around, soccer they can Right. Yeah. I mean, you could pepper. Will Smith hitting golf balls in I Am Legend. Yep. Iconic scene. Because right. what else are you, what else you going to do? Yeah, except stay on the end of the aircraft carrier and hit balls. Can't play volleyball by yourself. You can't. No. If that, it's just you left. That is the issue. You can't play volleyball by yourself. You can go shoot hoops by yourself. But he talked about football. They didn't play it, but he talked about it. He had a baseball cap. Yep. He wasn't carrying around Wilson. That's the Tom Hanks one. There was a whole movie that had Wilson in it, though. Wasn't, it was only post-apocalypse for one guy. Well, that... <laughs> there's, there's a good reference in that Nerdist podcast to, uh, to, Wilson. to Wilson. It's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But I, I just... Volleyball's not there. It, uh, that's fine. It's not part of our mainstream consciousness. I wonder if you watch foreign films, if... Post-apocalyptic Europe? Yeah, but I'm saying, like, I wonder if they will reference that kind of stuff, because you guarantee, I guarantee you they reference soccer. Yes, there's whole movies about soccer. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Our sport's not big enough for that. And that's, that's fine. It doesn't need to be like that. Why not? Because it's not part of the social consciousness like the other sports. The United States women lost to Germany in four after defeating Germany in match number one of the Montreux Masters. Interesting. A mixed roster. Some young, some old. Some young talent seeing A-level competition for the first time. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Ebony Wanabu on that list. I like it. Some veteran experience, Nicole Davis over there. Mm -hmm. Just saw her. Women are back. Obviously, Karch was at the match. Some of the women were at the match supporting it. Jordan Larson and so on. Were they there on Saturday as well? I I don't... Friday. Women were there on, on Friday, most of them. Didn't see any of them on Saturday. No, I saw them on Friday night. I didn't see Karch on Friday. I saw him on Saturday. Yep. So nice to see the women out supporting the men. And good luck to the women. They have USA Cup, their next big event, as they prep for World Championships. They had Montreux Masters. That's a good event. As Nicole Davis told me, her favorite event. She just really likes going to nice. that one. Held in Switzerland. So keep an eye on the women's national team. We'll see how that develops. Some of the names you may see, it, it will be interesting. Huge youth movement now. On the women's side. Yeah. Huge. Heather Bound, no more. Logan Tom, no more. Right now that I've seen. Don't know if they'll be back. Heather was quitting, and then all of a sudden she was playing again. I think somebody offered her a good contract. And Logan? I don't know. Interesting. Don't know. We talked about Destiny. She's 
still recovering from pregnancy. See if she comes back. But there's lots of... Is that what you do? Do you recover from pregnancy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got to recover. It's hard on the body. What I was saying is that the the term. I think for sports, recover, right? Okay. You recover. Was a question. I was just you recover just from an athletic event. This is a pretty tough athletic event. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so keep your eye on the women's. We will obviously talk about USA Cup. Make sure you go to usavolleyballcup.com to get your tickets for Southern California tickets or the Stan Sheriff Center, July 11th and 12th. Mm-hmm. And the men will come up against Iran in August. It's entirely the first two weeks of August. I may be here for one. I think one is the seventh. I may be here for one of those, but I am out of town for the others. Oh. Oh. We're going to hang on. Yeah, for those of you that uh, are still listening to our show, you're going to want to hang on for a few more minutes. We have something special. Here, give me the, give me the audio because we forgot to play this. So uh, we'll, we'll, let's get back to World League. For those that have made it through the program. Men's World League. Let's uh, let's hear from. We're going to hear from him in a minute. This is Friday night. This is Friday night. Okay. John Spraw okay. and myself. All right. Or I hit play seven times. Oh, is it here? It says two minutes to John Spraw, a little walk and talk here after night number one against Russia. Pleased with your team's effort? I am. It wasn't very clean and neat. Uh, there were times when I thought that we didn't perform as well as we needed to. And what? Oh, Kevin. Who knew that stopped playing? seems like some, one of our strengths that I think we have is is ball control. We've been really good in ball control in practice. And, man, there were some situations down the stretch there, particularly in the fourth set when we should have closed it out, when we just didn't ball control or communicate real well. It's, I think, at least, I know it's early in the summer, but at this point I feel like it's unlike this team. How do you reset that when you do give away the fourth set and ball control is the issue? What did you say to the guys going into the fifth? You know, I just told them that. Where are we going? Here? Where are we we're outside the arena. <laughs> what are you guys doing? We're supposed to be going to some press conference. All, all the major media will be there, I'm sure. Um, I heard there was one reporter that showed up to media day. Hold, hold on. We've got to figure this out because I'm already late. Where's the press conference? No, now, see, now we don't even know where the press conference is. All right. All right. How much time? Let's I don't know. I, I'm One supposed more to be at a press conference, and I, that no one has any idea where it is. Can we get a press officer, perhaps? All right, let's keep talking. Okay, so what, so, so what do you say to your guys? Uh, I just said that, uh, you know, listen, it's, we have to be able to respond to negative events better because I think we felt like we were a better team. We felt like we should be winning those sets, and when things weren't going very well, we weren't responding very well. It was like looks of shock when those plays didn't occur. And I was like, hey, this is a good volleyball team. And, and we need to be able to have those things occur and be a little bit more poised and go make the next play. And I thought we did that. I thought we did a nice shot on the fist up. How about the character of this team? It's uh, become a little younger with a couple of guys gone, but you still have some older guys there. But it looks like a group that functions pretty well together. Do you get that day in and day out in the gym? I, I do. And that's something we talk a lot about. As you know, with the national team, it's a really difficult thing to do especially when you're starting trying to integrate some young guys. You, you know, I've talked about this a lot. Maybe I've talked about it on the show before. But, you know, when, when you're coaching the national team, you're coaching guys that are 20 years old, and you've got guys that are 36 with a wife and a mortgage and kids, and they are different places in life. There's a, a broader variety of personalities. Building a team becomes really the primary motive. And maybe it is for all coaching, right? But I feel like it's an easier thing to do at the collegiate level than it is with the national team. So I'm really happy with where we're at right now. Are you hoping that the Russians go out and go big tonight? I hope so. Let's send them. I don't know. Let's get them a bus. Send them to Hollywood. It's their, it's their shot. 
Uh, no, I mean, my guess is that they'll come back and feel pretty good about how they play. they got a coach that doesn't get much experience as a head coach. He's going to be fired up that they actually went five. Uh, so it'll be interesting. They had some stretches where they were playing some pretty good volleyball. we got to get better. All right, good luck, 92. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bra after night number one. You, you could hear the audio changes that we went outside, too. Can we <laughs> talk first about how during that you guys got lost and didn't know where you were going, and then you were confused. He was supposed to be at a press conference, and he's like, you know what, I'll just keep talking to you until they figure it out. Yeah. It was awesome. I'm texting him right now. We're going to get him on the show. We'll have to note in the show, make sure people hang around. It's pretty good access, by the way, to get uh, John to call in today, me, because he doesn't have to. Oh, he likes the show. Yeah. Fan of the show. Friend of the show. If we had a studio... Long-time listener, multiple-time caller. Yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we had a studio, we would have a John's bra head. A big head. Yeah. yeah. Large. Were there photos of him in 2004? Did he have hair then? Because everybody else on I, that I match... I don't think John's had hair since college. Okay. I think John was quick on that train. Reed, I didn't remember where it all went. Reed was thinning in that 2004 video. Like it was. Yeah. He should have let it go then, but maybe he was still holding on a little bit longer. He could have been using the spray paint at could've that been. point. The spray could've paint been. hair. Uh, we will. I just give John the number. We will hang on for him. Uh, I, I like John's approach. He's an interesting guy to talk volleyball. He's got some definite plans. He has a view of how things ought to be going, how things ought to function, and I like all that. I like people that have a plan, that have an idea of what they want, that are executing things. No music, just bring him in because we just heard him after night one. Now you get to hear him after night two and after Monday's practice, head coach of the national team as well as UCLA, John Sprague. John. Hey, how's it going? Hey, thanks for checking in. We know you're fresh out of the gym. Uh, how many guys do you have working out here on a Monday after two tough matches? Well, we gave uh, a bunch of the guys that got a lot of volume this past weekend, uh, just not necessarily the day off, but a day to recover, get a lift in. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we have a, a large group. We've, we did this last year. We brought in a large number of guys through uh, World League. We'll probably pare it down as we head towards the world champs, but we still probably had 24 guys in the gym today, so it was, it was good practice. Imagine that. That's not the Doug Beal system right there. Time off for the starters, huh? Sheesh. <laughs> hey, so, John, give me a grade for your team after this weekend. We've discussed already on this show kind of the level of the Russian team, the youth on both sides of the net, but give me a grade coming out when you guys were talking on Sunday or maybe Saturday night for your team as a whole. Great. Um, I think it's pretty good right now. I, I'd give it a B, maybe a B plus. Uh, just, I mean, I think there's plenty of things to improve on, so uh, that's why I wouldn't give it an A. But I think I'm really, really happy with the way we're playing the game right now. It, it, I just like the – we have great team chemistry right now. The guys are playing real hard. Um, even when things don't go very well, we, we're, we're pretty poised. In fact, when things weren't going very well the first night, I actually thought that guys didn't get on one another. They didn't get down. They didn't get frustrated. If anything, they were a little surprised. And so they didn't respond uh, with as much aggression as I would have liked. But um, I'm real happy with where this team is at right now, particularly with how we performed this weekend without Reed Pretty, who had such a good weekend in Bulgaria. Um, so I thought that Rooney and Paul did a nice job for us this weekend. I just I felt great about it. Yeah, a guy like Paul Lottman, I mentioned it earlier, the stat sheet isn't going to show what he did 
on that first night, or maybe your more in-depth stat sheet has it on there. What do you think Paul Lottman brought for you guys on Friday? Uh, Paul is just, first of all, the guys love playing with him. He, he's, a, he's a great teammate, and uh, I've heard that about him from guys when they play with him on the court for the last few years. And so I think there's a great deal of comfort that everybody has with him on the floor. He's very consistent. He, uh, he's a great passer. I think he communicates real well. I think he runs the backcourt real well. Uh, he's, he's not as physical an attacker as uh, Reed, but uh, I think he, he brings that level of ball control that Reed has. So that, that can stabilize our passing and, and certainly give the other guys uh, opportunities to attack more. So I think uh, when he steps out on the court, I feel real comfortable with our ball control. We're two weeks into Worldly. You guys went to Varna, came out with two wins come home, pick up two more wins. You're sitting at 4-0 and with two more weeks at home ahead of you. This is a pretty nice spot to be in. Give me some surprises coming in or after the first two weeks, after the first four matches for you. Um, surprises. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Being I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that's true. I mean, obviously, looking at our pool, when you're coming into World League, you recognize how challenging it can be. And uh, going to an old Bulgaria might have been the first surprise. We didn't really have an, an, an entire practice with everybody available until we arrived in Bulgaria. So we only had three practices as a full team. And so you just, and you got Anderson who's playing opposite for the first time since November. You got Micah and, and Taylor Sander who are in their first World League. I mean, that's the first time they're playing in a, an arena like that. Uh, you just have no idea how that's going to go. But I, I just like the way we were playing. Even when we were down 2-0, I felt real good about our chances. Um, I told the team that in between 2 and 3, sets 2 and 3. And so uh, I guess that, you know, to come back and win in 5 and then and then take a sweep in Bulgaria that first weekend with such little prep it was, was a little bit of a surprise, but certainly I was thrilled. Um, other than that, I, I don't know surprises. I was curious. I had some – I was curious to see how Taylor Sander would do um, coming out of college and playing his first national, real, real national team matches, and he's been obviously outstanding. That's been a really nice surprise for us. Uh, he's carrying already quite a significant offensive load, and you can see how it's affecting other teams' defenses. Even when he's not getting set, it's opening up other guys. So I guess that's been uh, real nice. Eric Shoji was, was just outstanding in the second match versus Russia. I just thought he was yeah. really, really good. Um, so... I, I'm feeling great about where we are. Obviously, I'd love to have Reed, and um, there's actually some young guys in the gym right now that are really playing some good volleyball. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we're going to continue to develop that depth and, and go into 2015 with the, an even deeper World League roster, and it'll be interesting to see how this team continues to grow and develop. Did you have the expectation that Taylor Sander could be this good this quickly or make this big of an impact? Um. You know, I wasn't sure. When he came in, I mean, that first week we were having practice in our gym. Uh, every single outside hitter in the gym, every single one hit like 200, and he hit 450 for the week. <laughs> so I, I was like, well, that's a nice start. But, you know, you, you're still wondering, okay, how is he going to match up against a couple seven-footers in front of him? How is he going to handle serving? How is he going to handle travel and jet lag? And how is he going to handle – a packed arena on the road. So all those things are, are curiosities when you start working with a new player. Um, but, yeah, I, I think overall 
uh, he's just been uh, had a really nice start to his career and, and has been really good for us. Why are college players more prepared than ever before to come to the international game? I think the speed. I, I think speed in general at the collegiate level has increased. I think playing with a Vic and playing faster tempo collegiate level has allowed guys to at least manage the speed of the game when they come to uh, the international level. Because I think that used to be a pretty big jump. I, I don't know that. I think it's pretty similar. I think the style of play is, a, is similar. Systems are pretty similar. So uh, I think that probably helps. Obviously, the physicality, it's really hard to replicate some of these guys and what they're doing with their service and, and the velocity that they're bringing from the service line. and So you have to integrate, especially with outside hitters like Taylor, and you know, how, how are you going to train their uh, their reception of that velocity? That's hard to replicate. But, but you know, obviously a guy like Taylor comes in and he, and he already is so physical just with his ability to jump that that mitigates that physical, that physical change. So that's why he's having such a, a good transition. You have a couple of dates upcoming in Chicago against a couple of teams that may garner quite a bit of support when it comes to the number of fans in the stands. Bulgaria notoriously had basically a home match a few years ago at the Sears Center, and then we'll see what happens again this year. But here in Long Beach, anyway, it was a solidly U.S.-based crowd. What does it change for you guys, or do you guys feel the presence of those 500 Volby cures and what was going on outside and then that translating into the arena? I think it really did, especially the second night. I just felt like, uh, I don't know, it, the the atmosphere was better. I, I think the barbecue really made a difference. Those guys were there, and they were so enthusiastic. The support was incredible. It really changed the atmosphere in the arena. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I, I, we just don't have this opportunity very much, as you know. We obviously play home matches, and home can be anywhere in the United States. And last summer we were in Wichita and Tulsa, and I understand why we go to those places, and it's a good opportunity for us to expose the game, but I think there's real value in us playing in our real home here in Southern California where we train. Our families are here. Our friends are here. It adds a different distraction, which I personally as a coach really like. As you know, Barney, you go through all these international tournaments and you never really have any relatives on the road, and then all of a sudden at the biggest international event, the Olympics, 50 relatives want to show up, and you're trying to focus on playing, but you got to worry about tickets and who's flying in and someone's flight was delayed and you're in a foreign country. How am I going to get up from the airport? It's the last thing in the world that you really need to deal with at the most important time, and we don't simulate that enough. I really felt like maybe even in the first match we were feeling it, first time playing in front of relatives, guys trying to manage tickets. I mean, that's something that may sound funny to, to listeners, but I think that's something you really have to practice. And so I really was appreciative of USA Volleyball putting it here. I was really thankful that Long Beach State was allowed us to use the pyramid and, and really thankful that the fans were able to bring that kind of energy. I think it made a real difference in our experience. Pressure actually be a good thing? Could that distraction be a good thing, even for the coaching staff, to, to not let you guys drive yourselves crazy with one more piece of video or one more thing you got to watch or one other thing you have to scout or draw up or communicate to the players because you just run out of time? Uh, no, because you can never get too much video, Barney. You can <laughs> no. never get too much. Come on now. <laughs> No, I think I think there was a good balance. Um, I think there was a good balance between it. We were ready. Guys were still had some distraction to deal with. Um, I don't know. You, you, you know, you, you can you can sequester yourself in and watch tons of video. But I feel one of the things that's been nice about this summer is 
we've been so much more prepared going into the summer. Last summer, I, you remember, I, I got hired really late. I didn't even get my full staff hired until Worldly was over. Um, right. So it was a bit of a – it was tough. Last last summer was a real challenge. Having the ability to um, – to, uh, hold on just a second here. <laughs> Having the ability to uh, just get everything prepared, game plans, uh, I, I, all the travel itineraries, everything's been done before. Everybody's on the same page. It's just been much, much better experience. I think it's impacted. Uh, I think the performance of the guys. I think everyone's super comfortable. I think everyone knows what they what's expected and what we need to do. And so far, it's worked. This is the second year you'll go through World Championships, perhaps the most challenging tournament out of all the world events, maybe outside of the Olympic Games. Uh, what percent of the roster for Rio do you think you might really have a handle on by the end of 2014? Um, that's a really interesting question. I can draw it up here. I don't know, maybe 50%. I still think okay. maybe more. I still think there's... I mean, the one thing we're seeing right now is that a young guy can come into the gym and impact things. And obviously we've seen that. And uh, we, we literally, as soon as we saw what Taylor was doing, I, was, I even, even got more aggressive with what I wanted to do with young guys. I, I know that that's been part of what I've talked about when I got the job is we needed to bring in some youth. It was a, this is a generational transition at USA Volleyball. We all knew that going into this quad. Um, but I, I literally saw some guys playing, Aaron Russell from Penn State, Thomas Jeschke from Loyola. These are guys that need to be in the gym now. And uh, so there are some guys where you see them as young guys contributing in our gym right now, and you think, gosh, what could happen in two years? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's hard to project. I really wish I, re- I really wish everybody could get a year or two of professional experience before the Olympic Games. I think that would be very beneficial. Two years would be ideal. Um, that's not going to be the situation with some of these guys. So then there's that factor too. I mean, the next level's significantly better. And having a full season or two playing professionally in some of the leagues that these guys are getting interest from would be beneficial for all of us. So if they, if they can get that, if they can really have a good experience, then they can come into Rio and be ready. I don't know. Oh, yeah, so to answer your question, maybe 50%, maybe more. Um, yeah, it's still competitive, right. though. There's a lot of competition going on in our gym right now. It's really a healthy thing. One of the questions that we don't need an answer to is, will Matt Anderson start? But maybe the question is, where will he start? And he's at opposite right now. How much longer do you anticipate him remaining at that spot? Do you like that lineup? I don't know how long he'll stay at that spot. I actually I don't have any agenda. I only want to be able to put the best six guys, seven guys on the volleyball court. And if that means that we have some players at opposite who continue to develop, Carson Clark has had a nice week. I, I'm, you know, not that far away from putting him in there and putting Maddie back on the left just to see it. I, uh, Will Price has been uh, surprisingly good. So I think there's some guys out there that can do the job at opposite. Obviously, everybody always asks me about Clay Stanley. You know, will he be able to come back? I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't plan for it. If Clay shows up, in 2016 and can play in the Olympics, and that would be a great thing for all of us. Um, but right now I'm just planning on him not being there and trying to figure out how we're going to win if he's not. If he's there, that's an easy move, right? And so yeah. Um, so I think right now this is our best lineup. 
Maddie has been really good. I mean, just for him to have not play that position all year and for him to be killing the ball like he's killing it, I, I just couldn't be happier with that. Um, it does give us some flexibility with how we receive serve. That is intriguing. It's particularly intriguing in serve receive when Max Holt is in the back row. We have we have played around a little bit with taking the libero out of serve receive and receiving with the opposite and the two outsides and having our having all five guys in the backcourt just coming in and attacking. And it is scary effective. Um, it's, you just lose a little bit on the reception side maybe because Eric's been so good. So uh, those systematic changes are hard to implement when you have such little training time. It's, it's actually an interesting discussion maybe for another time. But when you're trying to implement things, when you have ideas, when you want to try and, and do some things, with the national team it's really hard to do. And so I think one of my goals this year is to, to play around a little bit in August as we go through the USA Cup and get into the World Championships, maybe toy around with these kinds of ideas. And then by the end of the World Champs, I'd really like to have an idea of, of what our style of play will be, what our systems will be for sure. I think one thing that I recognized that was so effective for some other countries is that they didn't necessarily run a ton of plays, but everybody knew exactly what they were doing. They're, like Brazil with its thick and the tempo and maybe a little law to Dante. That was all they were doing. They, they weren't doing anything too extravagant. But yeah. when you come in and in early May you all of a sudden have a – you come back, you've been trained with a different team, you've got a week or two to train before you have a big event, it's really important. Everybody knows exactly what their responsibilities are. You can't all every summer start talking about what systems are we going to run and having a systems review. I think by the end of this summer, I want to be able to have definitive answers for systems. And now I, I won't have necessarily a definitive answer for what we do with Maddie. Uh, that's the one systematic change that we'll just have to be versatile with. But I, I do want, by the end of the summer, to understand exactly what our offense is, how we're going to run those systems, everybody know their responsibility so that when we come back next May, everybody's got it cold. All right. I, you know, you mentioned the generational shift on the mm-hmm. player side of things and how it's gone to a completely new group of players. On the coach's side, I see that as well with you in charge. Jared Elliott is down there. Mike Seeley is down there. Eric Sullivan is down there. I see you starting to draw on a whole new group of guys. I don't see McGowan, Dunphy, some of the other names that I've seen forever, uh, Beal mm-hmm. and so on, and those guys. Are you aware of how much it is a coaching shift as well? I am, actually. I gave it a, a lot of thought when I looked back there and uh, – in Bulgaria, and I had Seeley and, and uh, Eric Sullivan on the trip, and what an outstanding job they did! I, just really, they were so good. And we have Tyler Hildebrand in the gym right now. Loy was out here this past weekend. Um, really think that we have a great group. We basically have three guys that are helping with our setters, specifically Loy, Tyler, and Seeley, and they just contribute in such outstanding ways really enjoy the dialogue that goes on when those guys are here. Um, yeah, I'm aware of it. I think it's really neat. I mean, it's not that I don't uh, listen to to the old guard. I think the one thing I've been able to do is diversify my experiences as a coach, and it started really early. I, I wasn't insulated at UCLA, and only at UCLA I started working for USA Volleyball. And so when I was working for USA Volleyball during the summers, I was exposed to Doug and to Carl. And then obviously I worked for Hughes, so then I was able to really get a, a really inside look at how Carl run, ran things at BYU. And um, I've seen a lot. And so I think one thing that's been really nice 
is uh, being able to draw from from everybody. And um, you know, we have Carl. Carl's coming in the gym in, in early August, and Skates was at, on the end line too. Uh, Al came with us to, to Brazil last year, and if we make the World League Finals, he's going with us to Florence. So obviously, I have a great relationship with Al. So. I'm still listening to the old guys. I certainly get a phone call from Doug with some thoughts <laughs> pretty frequently. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think I'm trying to blend it. I, I really think the most important thing to build a great team on the court is how you build the team off the court. And who we bring in is, you know, obviously we have a great staff. We're really happy with the way things are going here. But we have such great knowledge out there, and I'm totally unafraid about bringing in anybody we can that can help us contribute to the dialogue that we have and how, and how we grow this team. Awesome stuff, John Spraw. Thanks for the time right after practice. Good luck. We'll see you in Chicago. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks, buddy. Okay. All right. See you. John Spraw, head coach of the USA Men, checking in after practice. Getting ready now for Chicago. Nailed it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks to him, to him for calling in and being a part of the show. Thanks to you, listener, for sticking around for it. Yep. That's good info right there. And, and yeah, boy, listen to the list of names he just threw out, and I'm going to miss a couple. Al Skates, Carl McGowan, Doug Beal, Jared Elliott, Hildebrandt. Ball, Sealy, Sullivan. I mean, you're talking about a lot of volleyball experience. I didn't hear Roche in there. No, but he said he's not afraid to look to other places for yeah, knowledge. Let me know. Yeah, maybe, maybe to you. Yeah, thank you. Players need experience one to two years overseas before the Olympics. Hey, Doug, you hear that? People don't need to stay in Colorado Springs and duke it out in the gym for six months. They need to go get paid and learn how to play the game. Paid? That's a little different view. Doug's view was it was better to stay home and train. John's has shifted, and as did Hughes. Another name we forgot to mention there that he mentioned, Hugh McCutcheon. Thanks to everyone for being a part of this show. Thanks to 6-8 Clothing Company for coming on board. TNL10 will get you 10% off from 6-8clothingcompany.com with the number 8. Thanks to VB Mag. Thank you to Craig Thompson for calling in. Thanks to Jeremy for being here as usual. And thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of The Net Live. Email us, thenetlive at gmail.com. Hope you hung on for that John Spraw interview. That was a good one. We'll see you again next week.